This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everybody? Hope you had a great weekend. Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily to get things going for another week here on WST. I'm Andrew Hustler-Patterson along with Michael Remus. And holy smokes, do we have a lot to get to coming out of the last couple of days while we've been off the air. The Jets are 0-2. The Bombers are clinched for the playoffs. The Bisons had an incredible comeback in the fourth quarter for a massive win in U-Sports football on the weekend. The Moose got off their off the start gate for their season, splitting one-on-one, and the Ice are undefeated. And on top of the Western Hockey League standings, we'll get to all of that coming up on today's show. Uh, it will be hammer time on Monday. We'll talk Bombers and Jets with Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press. We'll get Jeff on in about half an hour or so. Uh, but until then, lots to get to with my man, Michael Remus. Of course, this show doesn't happen without the great support of all of our sponsors, including Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Princess Auto, Little Brown Jug Brewing, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Not Auto Corp, Canadian Club Whiskey, and of course our betting partner over at Cool Bet Canada. Let's get Remus in here, and uh, I'll welcome everyone with us live on YouTube right now. And for those of you that are uh, listening on the podcast after work or this evening, thanks so much for making Winnipeg Sports Talk a part of your day. Tell a friend if you would. For everyone in YouTube, make sure you've hit that red subscribe button and definitely thumbs up for uh, the show today. Hit that thumbs up. We always like the likes. Remo, what's going on? How was your weekend and uh, how are you doing as we get going for another week here on the program? Uh, it's a great weekend. Uh, feeling good. You know, uh, Winnipeg Sports weekend, Friday night Bombers, Saturday Jets, so like, and it's Sunday NFL. My plans were basically made for me. So uh, I had a lot of fun dealing with a sick toddler at home. Which uh, is challenging. I'm not gonna lie; it's a bit challenging, but we're we made it through, so I'm doing okay. Uh, is uh, well, you know what? I'm not even gonna make light of it. The big story right off the bat: um, yeah. Winnipeg Jets were in practice today in Minnesota, <laughs> no, getting ready we, for. We we didn't have to enter COVID protocol. You're, you're not in protocol got, or anything like we that. We got tested, and we didn't have to enter protocol. Yeah, well, Blake Wheeler, the captain of the Winnipeg Jets, is in COVID protocol. I mean, not many details out right now. We hope to have Coach Paul Maurice's comments at some point, uh, probably after we have Jeff Hamilton on on the program today. So we will um, try to get that and play that for you here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, But the bottom line was already a problematic start for the Winnipeg Jets, losing to the Anaheim Ducks, following that up with an L against the San Jose Sharks, which we'll get to in a minute. Now going in to play the Minnesota Wild, who were first place in the division, 2-0 on the season. Uh, And they'll be doing it without their captain, who has been right up there at the top of the ice time leaders for the Winnipeg Jets at the forward position. Um, So obviously this is a bit of a fluid situation. uh, But the bottom line today, coming out of Winnipeg Jets practice, is the fact that Blake Wheeler was not on the ice with the hockey club. uh, And... Uh, it sounds like I'm just looking at a tweet from Mike uh, Mike McIntyre. So we will get Paul Maurice's comments at some point as soon as they're available. But the coach says that Blake Wheeler's status is completely related to COVID protocols, not an elbow he took in San Jose. He's isolating from the team. There's no other update until tomorrow. And then Mike does mention reminder: bringing being in protocol doesn't automatically 
mean a positive test. So, uh, Remo, lots to lots to get to. And we will get to the Jets. Obviously, we got to talk about the Bombers' big win and clinching the playoff spot in a minute. And we'll do all of that coming up with Jeff Hamilton as well. Um, but this is, I, I don't know, maybe we're just so numb to this, but, you know, the Jets have had, um, well, obviously everyone on the team is vaccinated. You sort of get to that position where you feel that, well, everyone's vaccinated. They won't have to worry about these sort of things. Apparently not. And, um, you know, I know a lot of people are on Blake Wheeler. You know, he's sort of a lightning rod when the team doesn't play well or doesn't get the results that people need. He's the guy with the C on his chest. He has a huge level of responsibility with this hockey club, and a lot of people were coming at him online over the course of the week. That happens and sort of comes with the territory. Um, but I'll tell you what, that going into a game where they really need a win, you don't want to come, be coming back to your home opener at 0-3. Um, and the fact of the matter is it looks like right now – Big, big question mark as to uh, what Blake Wheeler's status is going to be for tomorrow night as well as um, the opener and uh, the game against Nashville on Saturday night. Yeah, we entered a must-win territory here, game three of the season, or <laughs> we must as a must-win. Not far off, right not now. Far off. Uh, I mean, yeah, you don't want to go zero and three at all. Uh, if you want to talk about the first two, as far as Wheeler goes, um, I mean, he's in protocol. He didn't practice. We don't know his status for tomorrow. I'm not going to speculate on what it could or couldn't be. Uh, and then, I don't know, we'll figure out what's going to happen. They did have new lines today. Do you want to go through pra- the Saturday's game before we get to today's lines? Or like, do you want to rehash Saturday night? Or have you uh, have you flushed that one? Uh, <laughs> when you take a deuce, you flush it. You don't yeah. hang around. <laughs> we need the Jalen Hurts clip going on. No, it hasn't been totally flushed yet, to be perfectly honest. Um, it was great to have a day away from hockey yesterday. There was so much football. And I know many of you are hitting me up on Twitter at halftime of the Chiefs game after that horrible Mahomes interception. Mm. Uh, but that game did turn around, although I, I was on the receiving end of a couple of the worst gambling beats I can remember in a long time. So maybe we'll have some fun with that at the end of the program. But no, let's talk about this game uh, and, and where the team is right now. And I know... You know, Mike had an article in the Winnipeg Free Press, and I think a lot of people have been preaching patience and don't panic. And I guess I'm there. I mean, you know, it, it is somewhat unrealistic to to burn it all down after two losses. However, Reem, I will say, I mean, I think everyone, fairly or unfairly, looked at the schedule, looked at the way the Jets were starting with the two California trips. God knows we spend enough time talking about how weak the Pacific Division is, and a big part of that has been the California teams. So to come out of games to open the season with pretty much everybody healthy and ready to go with two regulation losses and zero points to show for it, um, that stinks. I mean, that's not a great start. And I get why people are a little nervous right now. Now, there is so much hockey left to be played. As I said, it is somewhat foolish to, to go crazy right now. But I will say this, I think there'll be a little bit, there should be a sense of urgency with this hockey club going in for their first divisional game of the year, taking on the uh, taking on the Minnesota Wild. But as far as we look at the game on, on Saturday, I think what was even more disappointing about it was the way the team played out of the gate. I mean, an awesome first period. They were all over the Sharks. They had a 2-0 lead. They were on a power play. And, you know, the next thing you know, you give up a shorthanded goal and then the penalties start coming the other way. And, I mean, honestly, I mean, if you want to break things down and, you know, do a little bit of an autopsy as to how the Winnipeg Jets are 0-2 right now, look no further than special teams. I mean, special teams was a big part of game number one. 
Uh, but I'll tell you what, I mean, you give a shorthanded goal and then give up two power play goals. Um, it's a very similar conversation to the one we had after the Ducks game. Pretty tough to win in this league when you're having so little success uh, in the special teams battle, especially with the amount of penalties that are usually called early in the season. Yeah, I thought they got off to a great start um, Saturday, and I thought this was for sure a game uh, they could have, you know, or could have won. I mean, we talk about, again, how weak this division is. The Pacific, I don't know, maybe we were wrong or the Jets came out. I mean, on Saturday's game, or sorry, not Saturday's, the first game they got goalied. Uh, John Gibson was awesome. They outshot, but I think Saturday's game a bit more concerning. You know, there was a lot of FOMO going on heading into the game, and I tweeted about this. Patrick Liney scores the OT winner uh, for Columbus, and, you know, it's all over Twitter. Everyone's talking about it. I'm like, oh, man, like, is Liney going to score 40 here? And we're just sitting here, like, wishing he was still on the Jets. But off the start, you know, off the start, Pierre-Luc Dubois, he, maybe he saw it and he's using it as motivation. He was shot out of a cannon. And then he's going to the area where everyone in chat says the Jets don't go in front of the net and uh, bangs one in. And I think you're going to see that a bunch this year. But after that, you know, they got a lot of penalties. They can't convert on the power play. They can't kill penalties. And you look at the numbers, 0 for 8 to start the year on the power play. You know, they're going with the two balanced units and um you know here i was saying you know ealers should be getting more time well they two units were pretty even on saturday's game but the penalty kill to start the year has been a big area of concern they've allowed four uh four what goals sorry four power play goals against they did get a shorty the guy everyone in chat says uh can't score uh yeah, Barry no one, and andrew cobb <laughs> no no finish andrew cobb sure finished that one and um i think i don't think Kellbuck has been absolutely terrible but he hasn't been what we've seen um you know that uh what that one of those shots you know he i kelly rudy was pointing out you know he should have been further out he was too deep in his net but i mean that was a pretty you know pretty good shot i thought but uh, i i don't think we've seen hellbuck at his best and i bet you he would he would say that and look it's two games into the season i was in the I was in the Winnipeg, not Winnipeg Sports Talk, this is Winnipeg, the uh, Kenny and Randy chat and the Illegal Curve chat. People are fired up. Like, look, <laughs> look, it's two games into the season. I agree. Look, uh, your ears are perking up. It's, you know, you can be a bit concerned, you know. Maybe you don't like seeing uh, Stasdy and Wheeler on the power play, which I found odd. You know, there's a couple odd things. The fourth line, like, barely playing. Um, Riley Nash, who you thought you brought in to kill penalties, isn't killing penalties. So there are some interesting things, some areas that can be cleaned up. But hey, it's two games into the season. Like, let's. Here's in capitals, Jet Fan 596. And how long do we wait? How long? <laughs> Get, well, let's... at least until yeah. tomorrow at seven, guys. Yeah. There's not much we can do over the course of these next 30 hours or so till the Jets play again to see what is going on. Um, I mean, listen. I, I, and I'm here for the, the pressure on Paul Maurice to get the most out of this group. I mean, for God's sakes, we've been talking for the last few months about how the general manager did the job. Everyone seems to believe that the talent is here for this team to be not only a playoff team, but a contending team in the Central Division. And certainly a lot of people, not just here in this market, are looking at the Winnipeg Jets, at least on paper, and I use the air quotes there for po- folks listening on the podcast, that the Jets could be a team that could compete for a Stanley Cup. Well, they didn't look like that in the first couple of games. No one wins the Stanley Cup or loses it in the first two games of the regular season. But 
I mean, come on. Um, there a lot more was expected of this team so far. Now, I'm here for talk about the power play. I'm here for discussing what's happening with the lines. Um, and this goes back to the pressure on Paul Maurice, as I was getting at. Um, you know, that there is a pressure for, for Maurice. He's been here a long time. I think, you know, this arguably, you know, we can talk about the 17-18 roster and what it had done. But there's been, I don't think there's any doubt that since that group, you know, went to the Western Conference Final, this team that Chevrolet House put together on paper has the highest expectations. Um, and that puts a lot of pressure on the coach. I mean, if the team starts one and seven or one and eight, and we get the same thing going forward, well, you know, these voices will be a lot louder and the seat will get hot. But let's not get crazy two games into the regular season. And I see T. Kona Pauly saying, can we address the fact that the Jets are what, I don't know, it was like seven of 25 or nine of 25 going back to last season? Well, actually, Paulie, no. We're not going to spend time talking about, you know, the sixth last game of the 56-game season. Like, honestly, last year is last year. Um, you know, they, they lost did four straight to Montreal. It's actually a six-game. I've seen this on Twitter. It's actually a six-game losing streak, Huss. It's not a two-game losing streak. It's six. They lost four straight to Montreal. Get it right. And I, I had to butt in. I I fully agree. I don't care what happened. That was last season. That was last season. I'm not not concerned. Yeah, about and, that. and I guarantee you, there's nobody in the organization, in the coaching room, or anyone that's worrying about anything that happened at the end of last season. However, they are spending a lot of time. I think, well, maybe not worrying, but trying to address what has happened well and what hasn't for the Winnipeg Jets. And, and I'll tell you what, Reem. I mean, and and I heard Drew after the game refer to it. I, I think his. His statement was that the, the Jets' top line played with a bit of arrogance in their game afterwards. I don't know if I would go that far, but certainly there was some complacency. I mean, it sort of felt like the team kind of was playing like they'd already won the hockey game in the second period. And I'll give San Jose credit. That's not a very good team. But, I mean, they didn't wilt after they were down 2 nothing. In fact, they really stepped up their game and slowed the Winnipeg Jets down. And, you know, Maurice talked about the speed of the game on both in both ends. Um, that wasn't good enough for the Winnipeg Jets. No, whatever, we can call it a slow start. We can call it whatever we want. Um, you know, there has been major issues on special teams, as I just outlined, and we're still waiting for some of the guys that get the big bucks on the Winnipeg Jets to really show up and um, and convert on some of the opportunities. And I'm putting everyone in that. I know some, you know, there are some people like a Nikolai Ehlers, who I love, of course, who doesn't, um, that has done a lot. But again, where's Ehlers on the score sheet? Shifley came back, you know, and it's one game. I mean, we can't make too much of one game um, for Shifley in particular, but overall, you need to get things done. And right now it hasn't happened. And uh, I, I'm really interested in this game tomorrow, Remus, to see what we get out of the Winnipeg Jets because, I mean, it's a big game. It's in the division. And I get back to what I mentioned right off the bat. You sure as hell don't want to come back home 0-3 with nothing to show for your season opening road trip with two games at home before getting right back to California. Uh, I think it's very possible that in a week or two, we're kind of laughing about this start because the team picked up and, you know, played better and got some results going forward, but they better because if not, <laughs> if not, if you think the chat is hot right now here and it's some of the other channels amongst Winnipeg sports, it ain't getting any cooler if they don't get two points uh, starting preferably tomorrow against the wild. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but let's say the jets win and blow out Minnesota. Everyone's going to be in here saying, 
thing. Oh, we're going to the cup. This is such a great <laughs> team. Oh my god, we we were wrong. I'm not. I know. I don't know if we're wrong. And I'm, I'll say, look, you can't. I don't think you can make a determination. Let's let the first like eight to ten games play out, and we'll see. Obviously, you know, reason reason for concern early, and that's all it is. Look, the uh, penalty kill they're going to try to address. Um, power play. Let's see what. Let's see what happens. Um, uh, but I do agree. Because, I mean, there's a couple things that are, are are concerning that I've seen. You know, the penalty kill. I mean, they traditionally use you know line three, line four forwards on the penalty kill, and we're seeing Wheeler and Stasny out there. Wheeler's ice time, you know, among the forwards. I think we all agree he needs to be used like he's one of the top forwards on the team, and that's hasn't been the case. Um, but I think there was some some good as well. I like seeing Brendan Dillon's. Uh, physical presence, you know, he's laying the body. Uh, Dubois looked really good. Oh, I think he's PLD ready to was great. Back. Well, especially that first period. That's mm-hmm. the guy the Winnipeg Jets traded for. That mm-hmm. is the guy that they hope to have night in and night out for a full three periods. Um, you know, I don't credit to San Jose, I guess. Maybe there's a little bit of law diminishing returns because that wasn't, you know, the full 60 um, like we saw in the first period from Pierre-Luc Dubois. But all that being said, of all the things that we talked about going in, I, I do think that, you know, with his new number, number 80 on the back, um, he's had actually a pretty nice start. And you have to think, Remo, that, you know, with what Ehlers is doing, generating, with the way that Dubois is playing, that that unit, that second line, regardless of who's playing on the wing, depending on what's happening with Blake Wheeler, is on the verge of breaking out. And that sure would be nice because, you know, right now, it sort of seems like, you know, this team has been really reliant on so much of that top line. And that is what I think everyone, including the coach, is hoping that they're able to spread it out a little bit more and not lean so much and so heavily on that top line like has happened in the past. Yeah, I agree with you. It seems like they're trying to go with a more uh, balanced scoring rather than just stuffing uh, the top line. I did have, you know, today's lines and I guess... You know, we'll kind of wait and see. We don't really know what's going to happen with Wheeler tomorrow. We don't really. We just know he's in COVID protocol. We don't know any details about anything. So, I I guess his status is up in the air, according to coach. But they, we can go. We can talk about what lines they did. Yeah, run. here you know, get the lines up. The one thing I just want to say before we move on, and I'm sure we'll get back to this with Jeff because you mentioned Hellebuck. I, I, as I said, I'm here for issues on special teams, how the lines are being put together. The one thing that I'm not worried at all about and spending zero time fretting about is Connor Hellebuck. Um, and I think that if you were wondering about where Hellebuck was at, the third period of the game against San Jose showed him. I mean, the Jets were pressing. They were trying to score. Jansen Harkins got the goal to make it a one-goal game. Um but they were also really focusing on that and left a couple of guys wide open, whether it be rebounds, whether it just be how things went. And Hellebuck made a couple of five-star saves to keep his team in it. So, um, as I said, maybe this means Hellebuck's going to play a little bit more earlier on because I think there will be a sense of desperation to make sure the Jets get as many points as they can. And that might mean maybe a little bit more 37 in the net considering the concern certainly of fans about whether Eric Comrie is able to carry that backup duty. Um, but I'm not worried at all about where Hellebuck's game is at, even though he's 0-2. And if you break down the numbers, they don't look too good. This is why I always say I have full I have time for all of our conversations when it comes to analytics um, over larger samples. But please, when we talk about save percentage, I mean, that's simple division you learn. You have 21 by 25. Uh, that's uh, eight, whatever it is. You know what? That's just simple math. 
And when it comes to like shot shares and things like that of particular games, um, you know, over a season, for sure, one particular game, the way some of that data is tracked, I don't put a lot into it. So anyways, just a little bit. I wouldn't worry about Connor Hellebuck. However, many other things to worry about, including how the team looked today in practice with Blake Wheeler on the off the ice, isolating from the team in COVID protocol. Uh, fill us in on how they, uh, things look today uh, in the Twin Cities, Reem. Yeah, here's the lines. Connor, Shafley, Cop, Andrew, Cop, uh, moving up to the top line. I see... <laughs> See a lot of people in chat fired up about that. Stasny, Dubois, Ehlers, uh, Harkins, Lowry, Veselainen, Svechnikov, Nash, Perfetti. And we saw Perfetti move down from the third line to the fourth line against San Jose. And Harkins moved up. Harkins did score a goal. And we'll see these guys in. Um, I saw someone comment in chat, you know, Maurice isn't really trusting his bottom six forwards. And I think you can, I think there's a point to be made there, Hus, because the fourth line Despite positive results in shot, you know, Corsi, you know, shot percentage um, or shot attempts, sorry. It's been, they've had like five minutes, two games, and you can't win games when your fourth line isn't isn't on the ice. I think we've seen that when the Jets are having success, the minutes have been more balanced, and we'll see this Harkins-Lowry, and we haven't really seen Kopp and Lowry together. They're trying to get away from it. Those guys have had so much success. I wonder if we go back there. At some at some point, just like we you know constantly see Connor Shafley Wheeler, there was some changes to the power play. Shafley, Connor Dubois, Riley Nash going in for Wheeler and Nate Schmidt switching with Neil Pionk. So we're seeing Nate Schmidt on that number one power play unit and the Ehlers power play unit. Cop Ehlers, Stasny, Morrissey, Pionk. I see, and I I find think it is interesting that Riley Nash is on the you know power play. Uh, you know, I saw perf- reports initially by Mike McIntyre that Perfetti was there. I was like, oh, Perfetti getting a nice shot. That's interesting. But they have Riley Nash. I'm curious if that's not just a placeholder. Um, you know, maybe better option would be double shift Nikolai Ehlers, throw him on both power plays. I'm not I'm not sure. So I'm not going to get – I found that interesting. I'm not going to get totally up in arms because we don't really know what it's going to be for tomorrow and what – Blake Wheeler's status is. So before you start getting, um, you know, overheated about this, let's, let's, yeah, let's calm down. That. Let's, let's I, relax. I think, Although I don't think that's going to happen, but let's relax a bit. Um, so anyways, we're going to get to all this with Jeff Hamilton coming up a little later on. I do see a lot of people. Oh, what is everyone? Th- everyone's saying Perfetti should be on the top line. Um, I don't know. That might be a bit of a stretch. I knew he comes with a good offensive pedigree. But, I mean, are we basing that just because, you know, he was drafted in the first round and we think he's going to be a great player? Or have we seen anything from the first two games that say, oh, definitely, this is the guy that needs to play there? I mean, Ehlers? Absolutely. I'm fully here for conversations about why Ehlers needs to play more. Maybe you find a way to get him on that top line. And I'm not convinced that doesn't happen sometime soon unless I think the best case scenario for the Winnipeg Jets is that he and Dubois really start clicking and they're getting offense from both of those lines. But as much as I'm optimistic about Cole Perfetti going forward, um, like, what is all this based on right now? Um, like, I mean, has he done anything right now through two games that shows that he's ready to be a guy playing big minutes in top lines? I, I'm not sure. I'm not. I, listen, I don't want this to be taken as negative because I think he's looked good. I think there's a lot of things that I've been impressed on. But, um, you know, moving into the National Hockey League as a rookie and just finding your way is a big enough challenge 
as opposed to being thrown right into it, um, you know, with some pretty big pressure. I'm not saying it shouldn't happen at some point. Um, I'm just wondering why there's such a push for this. Is it more negative on guys that are there right now? Or is there something the Perfetti has stood up and say, yeah, how are we keeping this guy out of the top six right now? I think he has that first round uh, pedigree. I mean, he's former first round pick. He did well with the Moose last year. Um, I think maybe people seem to overrate their own young players. You've also seen a couple other, you know, f- you know, young players like Mason McTavish uh, scoring his first goal. You know, getting some some minutes on Anaheim and uh, San Jose, and other guys scored his first goal. So all these guys scoring their first but goals. Keep in mind that's because those teams. I, I hate to say it, especially with the Jets having just lost to them. Yeah, but I mean they're not very good. <laughs> They don't have Shifley and Wheeler and Ehlers and Dubois and these guys playing ahead. I mean, there's massive holes in their lineups, and that's why these young guys are coming in and getting a chance to do it. And, I mean, let's let's revisit how these young men are doing in a month or two months because it's not that easy making the jump to the National Hockey League, I guess is all I'm saying. I'm happy Perfetti's still with the team, though. I certainly think that there's room for him in this lineup. And I'll tell you what, maybe what I've just said will look ridiculous in a couple of weeks when he gets an opportunity to be there and actually shows that he belongs and produces and everyone's happy and we can go back and have a laugh about this. I just think that there is some major, major assumptions being made by a lot of people that um, I'm not really sure totally grounded and based in reality right now. I would love to see it. I just haven't seen it yet. And for all of us to think that Cole Perfetti is going to be the answer and that the guy's turning around, sorry, that ain't happening. It, we're relying on the Connor Hellebuck the defense core, and in particular, the top two lines that just need to get going, that need to score a few. And then beyond that, you know, be able to take care of, take care of things in your own end with the, uh, you know, and make things happen, especially when you're on the PK. A little bit better discipline certainly would help. But, you know, I think some of these penalties you knew were going to happen, especially the way the Jets played early in both games and the amount of jet uh, opportunities they generated for themselves. That certainly is something that will, um, you know, that will happen. I mean, we've just seen it. You get a bunch of penalties in your favor. You know, you're going to be on the PK at some point later on in the game, and you'll be able to be, better be able to handle it. And unfortunately, the Jets haven't in a big way so far this season. Um, and you know, the numbers look really ugly right now. You can change that quite quickly early in the season. But I'll tell you what, they don't have a lot of time right now because, um, you know, there's like the regular season's on. Other teams are playing. They're winning hockey games. And the Jets haven't done that so far. Home opener on Thursday. You'll hope that they'll be able to salvage something out of this first uh, first road trip of the season. Didn't get anything in California. Tomorrow, it's the Minnesota Wild hosting the Jets. We'll have much more on the game tomorrow. And we'll talk about the Jets coming up with Jeff Hamilton as well as the Bombers, who are playoff bound. We'll certainly get to some big blue talk as well, some interesting news and notes and a big trade in the Canadian Football League coming out of the weekend. Uh, Listen, before we get going, I do want to thank our friends over at Culligan Water for jumping on board with us at Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, You can find Culligan over at 1200 Sargent Avenue or give them a call at 694-5180. Celebrating over 65 years here in Winnipeg as the go-to people for all things water. Uh, The Culligan man is still going strong uh they've got water softeners and filters for you and your family whole home drinking systems and drinking water systems uh in addition to bottled water coolers bottle wa- uh, bottle free coolers 
and water delivery services citywide. And if you are thinking about maybe some water for your business, uh, both commercial and industrial water products and solutions, uh, they had that great special last week with the $9.99 home rental system for the first three months. I know that went up till Friday. Well, call them today. They might be able to squeeze you in under the deadline. But if you're thinking water, and we all know how important water and hydration is for everybody 24 7 365 the culligan man has your hookup give him a shout out 1200 sergeant or find more out online at what they can do for you and your family at drinkculligan.com um man i'm gonna be popping by the guys over at manitoba battery in a little bit uh and i can't wait to see donnie and the gang i'll get to the gang in a minute uh but you know it is gonna get cold very soon you need to be proactive. Don't be that guy that's stuck out in the cold at minus 35 going, damn it, I should have done this earlier. Um, and when you're thinking battery, don't think about the big box stores. Why pay more and have to go down there when Manitoba Battery will take care of things for you? Now, the best price around, $89.50 with your core exchange. You can do that right down on Logan Avenue at Manitoba Battery. Or if you'd like it delivered within city limits, uh, $109.50 with a $15 recycling rebate when the core is returned. Um, I would suggest they'll pop down and see them on Logan Avenue. Donnie will be there. They have a group, maybe the most hilarious group of nicknames, and I'm a big nickname guy. So when you're there, you might meet the maestro, the godfather, ninja, kiddo, Kimbo, young buck. Uh, it's quite a character of a cast of characters over at Manitoba Battery. But the bottom line is they've got the best prices on batteries for everything in Winnipeg. Find out more at manitobabattery.com. Or give them a call or see them over at 1026 Logan Avenue. And uh, you know what? I put something like this out on my Instagram on Saturday. Uh, we've talked a lot about the Jet Home Opener and a lot of new Jet merchandise is moving right now. Hockey season, of course, is back. And Royal Sports is the undisputed heavyweight champ of all things hockey for over 35 years in the city of Winnipeg. You got your bomber gear, NFL. But they do. And I, you can go to the Royal Sports Pemina Instagram. Really awesome group. Speaking of the captain. Blake Wheeler. He's teamed up with Cancer Care Manitoba. Uh, they've got some of the wheel hats, the Biggie Funk logo hats, and 100% of the proceeds are all going to Cancer Care Manitoba. Uh, New Era does such amazing product. These are really great. They're there right now, so if you'd like to support Cancer Care Manitoba and the captain with what he's doing in the community, pop on down to Royal Sports on Pembina and pick one of those things up. Um, all right, so coming up, Jeff Hamilton is going to join us next. We will get to the Bombers. We will get to the Jets as well. And there, as you can see, uh, there are the uh, the Wheeler hats. So I'll pop down to Royal Sports and, and pick those up. Uh, let's get the hammer in here. We've got to get to the Bombers. We've got to get to the Jets. Um, but as I said, what a crazy weekend it was for Manitoba sports. Moose starting off their season. Huge comeback win for the Bisons, which I'll talk about a little later on. Winnipeg Ice, the class of the WHL so far at 7-0. and uh, but everyone's tearing their hair out because the Jets are 0-2 right now and uh, the Bombers didn't buy win, win by enough over on Friday night. Let's get Hammer, uh, the Hammer in here. Jeff Hamilton from Free Press. How was your weekend, dude? Yeah, pretty good. I was in, uh, I don't know if it's the COVID capital of Canada, but I was in, I, I, I grazed through Alberta this, uh, this past weekend. Are you in protocol? No, no, I'm clear. I'm in. I actually got a test out there before we... Uh, we did in-person interviews with the bombers on uh, on walkthrough day, so uh, yeah, got my got my clear, all clear. But uh, I guess I have been home. I'm feeling okay, so all things considered. Um, you know what? We've talked a lot about the Jets off the top of the program, so let's start with the bombers, and then we'll get to the Jets in a minute. Um, 
you know, this was no Picasso, but I mean, you're not going to win by 25 each and every night. Um, and it was weird. I mean, you're playing a team three times in such a short period of time. Um, listen, it was another double digit win, but, uh, what were, what were your thoughts coming out of that game? Is this the Bombers just trying to stay engaged as much as they can until they host that West final on the 5th of December? You know, I think there's, that's part of it. I mean, you know, it's not, you hear it often. It's not easy to win in football every week. And, you know, even when you look at, you know, when you look at some of the, you know, those dynasty teams that the Calgary Stampeders had, they didn't run the table. They didn't, you know, get just one loss in a season. It was usually two, three, sometimes four losses in a year. So they happen to really good teams. Um, but back to my point about it's difficult to beat, you know, teams in general in, at the pro level. It's even tougher to beat teams three times in a matter of four weeks. And, you know, I think there's, you know, I'm not letting the Bombers off the hook. I think they certainly made it exciting down to the last quarter. And, and you know, they did their thing and that they've done all season for the most part in, in the fourth quarter and dominated that, that frame. But, um, you know, there certainly were plays that Aaron Grimes obviously – non pick six comes to mind you know he reels that in that's probably a much different game but you know I, I think to your kind of your point off the top there where you know people are kind of I think the, the frustration is they didn't win by enough when you consider you know they didn't have Trevor Harris under center they went with two rookie quarterbacks Taylor Cornelius starting I don't think he played all that bad I thought he gave them a real opportunity um, you know to, to win in, in, in the case of this weekend uh, hasn't gotten that victory yet for the Elks but you know certainly looked shifty behind center evaded some some major pressure by Willie Jefferson and Jackson Jeffcoat at times so you know I thought he played well ultimately though it you know I think it it will prove to be a bit of a wake-up call for the Bombers much like we saw against Toronto in week three when they you know they crushed the Argos that week two and then went into went into Toronto and, and lost that game pretty convincingly so you know but in this event they didn't lose so I think you get a bit of I think you get the best of both worlds you get the two points in the standings you know in this case you secure uh, a playoff spot and you 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 also put yourself in a position to lock up the West final with a victory this weekend against the lions. Um, but you also kind of get to get to realize that these weeks aren't going to be easy. And even the Elks will give you a tough time and anything can happen um, on any day. So again, you know, I obviously not the victory that the convincing victory that the, the bomber fans have been accustomed to this season, but you know, in my, my opinion, a victory nonetheless. Well, absolutely. I mean, nine and one, they clinch a playoff spot. They are clearly the class of the league right now. And we're still trying, kind of sorting out who that next team is. I mean, the hottest team right now is the Calgary Stampeders after their mm-hmm. beat down of the British Columbia Lions. Um, but before we move from the Bombers, Andrew Harris injured on the weekend. You know, it looked kind of bad at the beginning. Then I think most people seeing the way he was with the team on the sidelines and whatnot, maybe weren't as concerned. I see Mike O'Shea said that, He's still undergoing test here, and they'll have some more information as the um, as the week goes on. But I mean, right. you're close to the team. I mean, where's the level of concern right now for Harrison? Uh, what are you hearing about him coming out of the game? You know, I'm hearing it's not all great news. I'm not hearing it's necessarily bad news either. I, I think the reality, you know, when it's not bad news, that means he's going to be back at some point in this season, whether that's this week or or the week after or the week after that. I'm not 100% sure. You know, I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, Andrew Harris back on the field. You know, he's, you know, if you look at, if you watch him play, you know, this season since he returned from injury, I mean, it's not like they're pulling him out at the end of games. He's got that desire to play. He won't, you know, he won't be one of those guys that, you know, will, 
will say, oh, you know, maybe I'll take a break or could use this or whatever. The bombers might force him to do that. You know, I mean, at this situation, it's it's a bit of a scare. You, you obviously have to take the injury into consideration and, and obviously the team's record into consideration and, um, you know, and, and also into consideration who's backing him up. Brady Oliveira played very well in relief of, of Andrew, you know, for that in, in the second half there. So, you know, eclipsed 100 yards so you know all those things considered you know depending on on how bad the injury is even if it's just a you know even if it's nagging him this week does it make much sense to put him back in the lineup uh you know to risk further injury I think if you're looking if you're the Winnipeg Blue Bombers you you don't and you more so look at making sure you have a healthy 33 for the playoffs because that's really all that matters at this point you know all those kind of other other things whether it be you know I don't want to say ego because I don't think Andrew is looking at this season as being like, I need to be the, you know, back to back to back to back rushing title leader. But, you know, any of those numbers kind of go out the window, um, not just for him, but for the team when you consider just how big of a role he plays on this club. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get more information this week. Again, I'm hearing it's not all bad news. I'm not hearing it's all good news necessarily. So we'll see how this this uh, this week on on unpacks I guess if you will but I wouldn't be surprised if you know if he, if he did or didn't play I'd probably lean more towards the not playing just for all the things I mentioned well yeah I mean it, it's probably a lot different if the team's six and four and you know in the middle of a playoff race I mean I know they clinched a playoff spot they haven't officially clinched first place but I'm right. here to tell you right now the west final is going to be at IG field on the 5th of December you heard it here so, first so bundle up and uh, get ready to get ready to pack that place for uh, the bombers trying to book a, a trip back to the great cup but we are in a situation jeff where they've got four more games there's some a buy in there there are some some time um how do you think o'shea's gonna handle this it's a very strange situation to essentially be home free with this much time left in the year the harris situation i would assume they'll just err on the side of caution um brady Oliveira looked great when he came in i think he was really invigorated for the opportunity to get out to play and i would expect the same from him if he gets the starts in the next couple games but let's talk about the other big stars in the game the guys that they can't do without when you get to december 5th and hopefully the great cup in hamilton uh zach caleros to start off and then some of the big guys on defense i mean the, the willie jefferson jackson jeffcoat adam Bighill, brandon alexander I mean, do you think that these guys might be sad at some point or will the Bombers be business as usual, go to try to win every football game and, um, you know, cross their fingers that they'll be in great shape by the time we get to early December? Yeah, it's a great question, Huss. And to be honest with you, I don't think I don't have an answer because it's just it's it's a bit unprecedented. You know, you look at how many games. I mean, like I mentioned off the top there, they can, they can with a victory clinch first in the division and that would ultimately make that would render the rest of the games meaningless. And I mean, meaningless is obviously, you know, when talking about the standings, I don't mean meaningless and getting prepared for what could be a, you know, a back-to-back championship run here for the blue and gold, but how exactly, you know, Mike O'Shea decides to handle this will be interesting. We've seen him leave players in late in games. Would he leave players in late in seasons? There's also other things to consider with the standings, even though you have your position, you know, locked up, you do play Calgary with the last game of the regular season, you know, logic or at least you know history would suggest you don't really lock these positions up until late in the season and you usually kind of rest guys in that last game of the regular season well if you have the bye week from the west semi-final do you does Mike O'Shea maybe look at that last game you know because if you look at the standings Calgary has a real opportunity to host a playoff game and if you're worried about Calgary um, for them to do that I think they need to kind of win out here and if they do win out they do win second so if they're in a position 
where the Stampeders are rolling, you might see them later on in the West final and you can kind of have that competitive pre-playoff game um, to not only get the juices going as you go into essentially a bye the next week, but you can also affect the standing of Calgary if you think they're the toughest team. You know, you'd rather Calgary because that's exactly what we're seeing right now is kind of the bombers at the top all alone by themselves. And then you have Calgary kind of just leapfrogging team by team by team as they, you know, as they put win, win after win after win, in this case, three straight in a row um, together to put themselves in a position that you would have thought a month ago would have been impossible. So all in all, I think if, you know, I think that's a really interesting wrinkle in this whole thing is that because the Bombers have, have been able to secure their position in the standings so early in the season, how might they attack those last few games? Because what I don't think they want is guys sitting out for two straight weeks. So I don't think they want guys not in the Calgary game and then not playing the next week and then having to play in the, you know, in in an emotional West final. So again, I don't know. I don't have any insight into this. I'm not saying what it could be, what, what it will be, but I think what it could be is that last game does mean a bit more. And if you look at, like I said, if you look at the Stampeders schedule, that will have a lot you know, riding on their season. And it might just be the kind of game you want to simulate as a playoff game before actually making sure it's a playoff game. Well, the minute you mention that, and especially talking about Calgary, I, we all think back to 2001 when the mm-hmm. Bombers were, what, 14-2. Right. and two, They had a bye at the end of the year. They rested their guys against Calgary, who won the game just to get into the playoffs, into the crossover. And then guess who beat him in the Grey Cup? It was the 8-10 and 10 Calgary Stampeders. So, exactly. I mean, these games... I I don't know whether any of that, I mean, none of the people other than maybe Wade Miller, I guess, was with the club right now. will really remember that. They won't be basing decisions based on something that happened 20 years ago. No. Um, But it is an interesting conundrum. And I mean, hell, it's a good problem to have. I mean, they've earned this opportunity. They're in a great spot. Um, Everyone else is being measured against them. But all of these decisions, I really do think for the rest of the regular season, are going to be made with the West final and the Grey Cup in mind, what gives them the best chance to obviously be in the best position for themselves to play their best game and win. Um, But also there are some interesting tweaks with all this when it comes to, you know, potentially a game, you know, with the Calgary Stampeders that might be, um, that might be like a playoff game for them that you might be able to stick on the throat and maybe eliminate a team beforehand. So much of the West Jeff is just so up in the air with the exception of one thing stick a fork in the Edmonton Elks after uh, the loss on the weekend. And now Trevor Harris has been traded to the Montreal Alouettes. Um, interesting that this got done. There's certainly a big need for Montreal. Um, they send American defensive lineman over to Edmonton. Um, was this just Edmonton getting him off the books right now and getting to a place that he can play and trying to move on from Trevor Harris? Yeah, look, I mean, it's a, it's a very interesting situation and what's been a very interesting season out in Edmonton. So, you know, it's one of those things that you don't really believe that at least at this juncture, how can you, um, you know, when, when Jamie Elizondo, the head coach of the Elks comes out and says he believes Taylor Cornelius and Dakota Prukup have, you know, give this team a better opportunity to win, you know, against the first place blue bombers than an experienced quarterback like Trevor Harris. Now I'm not saying Trevor Harris has necessarily been lights out. He certainly hasn't. In fact, you probably look at his season. He's got one good game and it came after all that COVID stuff. You know, he had a chip on his shoulder. He was ID'd as a guy who had COVID and the team comes out and says he didn't, you know, and then he comes and he throws the lights out in that Labor Day game and, you know, wins in Calgary for the first time uh, ever. 
So, you know, that's kind of his one game that he's done something special, but Taylor Cornelius has done nothing, you know, like, I mean, his, his, his ceiling right now is not higher than Trevor Harris's floor. So you knew whatever was coming out of, you know, Elizondo's mouth was just garbage. And so all, you know, all of a sudden he's on the trade block. I was in Edmonton. I saw Brock Sunderland, GM of the Elks, you know, take that long walk down the middle of the field with Trevor Harris. It was certainly interesting. Um, you know, at that point, you kind of thought about, you know, what does this mean? Is he, you know, is he going to get released? Is he going to, you know, possibly be put on the trade block? Personally, when the trade rumors came out, I thought they were, you know, I certainly thought there was some uh, value to them. When you look at, you know, certainly like a club like Montreal who loses Vernon Adams Jr. for, you know, he's on the six game list. It doesn't look good for him this season to return, um, but he's going to be at least out for a long time. Do you believe in Matthew Schiltz to to run this team, to give you an opportunity? The East is not a dominating division. You know, the 6-3 and three Argos do not look amazing um, at all, you know, but but they look beatable. And so if you're, if you're Montreal, you're, you know, you want to have a, a veteran presence. Now, from what, what we're hearing from reports is that, you know, Trevor Harris isn't coming in and being the leader of the Montreal Alouettes. He's going to be backing up and providing that, you know, that experience in the event Matthew Shields either, you know, gets injured or, or his play falls off. What I thought was fascinating about it is a big reason why everything's such a disaster at Edmonton is because of COVID-19, you know, ask anybody there. And the division is over who's vaccinated and who's not. And I've, you know, I've written about it. I haven't pointed fingers, but I've been on other podcasts and things. And I said, it's going to be very interesting to see where Trevor Harris can go because teams should be looking at vaccination statuses before they bring (laughs) players into their lineup. And I'll tell you what, there's definitely teams out there that are not bringing a guy in who's a potential leader who hasn't been vaccinated, you know? So Montreal, Trevor Harris, it's widely understood unless he's gotten the jabs in the last few weeks he isn't vaccinated. So, you know, I think it's a fascinating situation and it's one of those things we've just been dragging our feet on and kind of hiding behind. But if that's the division in the Edmonton locker room, you know, what are guys going to think in Montreal? And, you know, I talked to Kahari Jones right after he got COVID and he talked about how seriously the team takes it and all these things. I mean, and don't get me wrong, there's safety protocols and there's testing and there's, you know, but you can't prevent everything from happening. Um, so anyways, I just, I find it all a bit interesting and, you know, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see why you don't bring a guy like that onto your team who has another, you know, another year in his roster. Now in the CFL contracts mean garbage. They're not even barely worth the paper that they're, you know, they're, they're printed on. They can get ripped up at any point. So that might end up being, you know, a, a nothing, or maybe they trade Trevor Harris for nothing after this. Maybe he gets into a game. Maybe he doesn't. I just find this whole saga around Trevor Harris and the, and the Edmonton Elks to just be absolutely exhausting. And I'd love for just one week to pass where we didn't have to talk about this guy, um, you know, and, and, you know, whether it's his antics on the field or off, you know, and that doesn't count for just Trevor Harris. That's the entire Elks organization. They've just embarrassed themselves from pretty much the start of training camp to, you know, in the final stretch here. Um, and it's just like, it is what it is. But, you know, as you can tell, it's annoying. Yeah, well, I, I and listen, I mean, God knows I don't want to get into a big conversation about vaccines and how teams have handled it. But, I mean, look at the top teams in the National Football League. Look at the top teams in the Canadian Football League right here in Winnipeg. The teams that have shown real leadership on that topic and have shown action through it and have got the buy-in are where you'd think that they would be. Uh, not dealing with a bunch of BS like Edmonton has been that in a lot of ways has sort of sunk their season. Hey, one more on the game, and this will actually get to a topic. If we've got time, I'll get to you at the end. But was the crowd as bad in person as it looked uh, on television? 
Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It you know, it was. They announced what twenty four thousand. I wrote it in my story. I didn't put it announced. I didn't get any emails, which was kind of surprising. But I did get some messages <laughs> from people saying, um, you know, it was pretty slim. It, it, it is. I mean, it was cold. I mean, it was a colder day. I mean, the teams two and two and seven now. They were two and six. I mean, you can make the argument this was kind of do or die um, for their playoff life, and maybe that would attract people. But yeah, it was. You know, I don't want to go out and say maybe half of that, but you know, when you look at the stands, the other thing about Commonwealth Stadium, it's very deceiving. It's a massive stadium, so it's not like you know, you you throw in you throw in twenty four thousand fans in 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 uh, IG Field, and it and it it's, it doesn't necessarily feel like a full house, but it feels like a packed house nonetheless. Um, whereas you throw twenty four thousand fans in in Commonwealth Stadium as, as a much larger capacity, and you know, it's not as it's not as telling. So, you know, the announced crowd was 24,000. I don't know. Let's go with half, maybe two thirds if we're feeling good about, about it. <laughs> uh, Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press is with us. Now, there is a, a topic about fans and stands that we'll get to in a second if we've got time. But let's get to the Winnipeg Jets. 0-2 with losses to the Ducks and Sharks. Not the way anybody around here wrote up the start of the season. Um, I know your colleague Mike McIntyre's got a piece in the free press saying, folks, it's two games, no time to get the pitchforks out, no time to panic. Um, that being said, been a pretty disappointing start. Where are you at on uh, the Jets going into their final game of the road trip against the 2-0 and Minnesota Wild, staring 0-3 in the face before coming back for their home opener? Yeah, not a great start. I mean, I think this is, you know, I'm, I, <laughs> if I was to tell you that the Jets would start 0-2 on a California swing against a team that was expected to be at the bottom of the standings and ask you what the reaction from the fans would be, you know, would you have been, you would have told me exactly what we're seeing. We're seeing, you know, we're seeing angst. We're seeing, uh, you know, a passionate fan base that is watching a, a team that, yes, at times outplayed their opponent, but is getting dominated in areas that they shouldn't be getting dominated in, particularly on special teams. And, you know, whether you want to, this is the part I just don't understand about the PK. It's like, oh, yeah, Paul Maurice identified that the PK was going to be a challenge sometime in training camp. Well, okay, like, so like it's not like it's not like the Edmonton Oilers are putting up dimes on you. It's it's other teams that weren't expected to have high score. So like if if you're telling me it's this bad, you know, how bad is it going to get when you actually play, you know, power play units that are are good? And so and I'm not, there's nothing against San Jose. I think they're a bit better than Anaheim. But at the same time, it's it's you know, it's, it's being one and lost in special teams. And, you know, zero percent in eight power plays oh for eight. I mean, that's not good. That wasn't an identifying area of the team that was going to be seen as a weakness. And I think the other part about it too is, you know, and, and media has, res- has a responsibility in this talking about how on paper they look really good. And, you know, this is, you know, they address certain issues. And I mean, I've been on your podcast, Huss, where I've said, you know, even you asked me about my, my prediction, I, I would say they look good on paper and that, you know, would remind fans of Blake Wheeler says paper means crap and 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 but that it would have to you know there's a lot of moving pieces there it'll be interesting to see particularly early on how they gel how they how they react and I mean you're seeing some good things but you're not getting great goaltending you're not getting great special teams and those are usually two big factors in a game that if you're not winning those battles then you're not winning the game and I think that's what we've seen through through the first two for the Jets. Um, so this Wheeler business, um, being in COVID protocol right now, I mean, uh, I no reason, I don't believe it's been reported that he has it, but it is sort of strange. I mean, that's one thing that surprisingly maybe didn't pop up really last year for the Winnipeg Jets, albeit we heard about Dominic Toninato way afterwards. I think someone went in to 
protocol at one point as a precaution, but this hasn't been really a big story for us here in Winnipeg. Um, and especially, I mean, I'll be the first one. Maybe I'm guilty of it. You just think, hey, once everyone's vaccinated, we're moving on and it's business as usual and it should be fine. Um, what does this mean, Jeff? Like with the fact that he's in COVID protocol, um, like just on the surface for this week going forward for Blake Wheeler. And I mean, I, I guess, I mean, we're going to hear from Paul Maurice a little later on with hopefully a little bit more from the coach on what he had to say on it. But um, uh, just the captain COVID, um, how will this affect the team short term? Do you think? Yeah, well, it's fascinating too, because there's only, you know, there's a few things to consider here. First, first one is how you enter the COVID protocol. Um, you would enter the pro, you know, we've, we've seen examples in the past where Nick Ehlers entered COVID protocol, where he just showed up to a practice and didn't feel all that great was showing some, you know, flu like symptoms. And you do, you know, you kind of, you send him in there and you you send him home and make sure that he's not, you know, because you were really careful about things, right. Especially at that juncture, we didn't have vaccines. We didn't know a ton about the, you know, we didn't know a ton about the, the, the virus, all these, all these different things. Now it's a bit different. We, you know, the Jets are 100% vaccinated. So I don't have confirmation that Blake Wheeler necessarily has COVID-19, but there's only a number of things that would fall into place for him to be in COVID-19. And, and you know, and that includes close contacts, very much like the CFL who wrote pretty much their plans based on the NFL, or sorry, the NHL's blueprints, was that if you're a close contact with COVID-19 and you're vaccinated, which we know Blake Wheeler is then you get tested. And if you don't have COVID, you don't quarantine. Now, if you're not vaccinated and you you leave the building right away, like there, you know, there's a testing process and stuff like that, but you leave and you have to isolate for, I think it's 10 days or or, or whatever it might be two weeks. Um, But in this, in this case, if you're in COVID, you know, you would have COVID essentially. I mean, like you, you wouldn't go into the protocol if you're vaccinated and you were a close contact and then you're pot. So either there's a couple different things here. They're waiting on a test to prove that he's not, doesn't have COVID or maybe there's a false positive here that they're, you know, retesting here or he's got COVID. I just, I, I can't think of, and I, you know, I ask my colleagues to, to correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if there's a, another option to it. Besides, like besides maybe showing symptoms, but I don't know why the Jets would come out and say that, you know, right away. Again, it's a very confusing thing. But from what I understand with the protocols and how they are very much similar from the CFL and the NHL is that the vaccination, the benefits of having your players vaccinated was that if they were close contacts and didn't have the virus, they weren't you weren't going to lose them you know, for long amounts of time. So again, I can't sit here and guarantee that Blake Wheeler has COVID, but all signs would kind of point that direction. I hope he doesn't, and I hope I'm wrong. But if a guy's going to enter a COVID protocol now with all the vaccination, particularly with a team with a 100% vaccination rate, as the Jets claim to have, then I don't really know how you deduce it otherwise. But we'll, we'll see as more information will come out. We'll, you know, we'll determine if Blake Wheeler's at practice tomorrow or ready to go, then, you know, false positive or, or another factor. But if he's out any kind of long term here because he's vaccinated, I mean, you can only really draw one conclusion. Yeah, Jeff Hamilton from the Free Press with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, what will be interesting, um, and let's just assume that he's out for the game tomorrow. Um, we saw Andrew Kopp move up into uh, into the, onto the top line 
And that's a spot where he has been. I mean, he's played, you know, throughout the lineup with Adam Lowry on the number two line. He's played with Shifley and Connor before. Um, I, I guess, if anything, this will be an opportunity for somebody. And whether it's Cop, whether it's whoever's going into that second line, you know, to step up and, and do something. You know, because, you know, we've talked a lot about the special teams. And the special teams issues has been twofold. I mean, you've given up four power play goals. And you mentioned the two teams. I mean, I had to laugh against the Ducks in game number one, the Jets go onto the PK and they spend about 30 seconds talking about how Anaheim's power play from last season was the worst in NHL history. Historically bad since they began yeah, keeping like three the goals stats. at home or something. Power yeah, play goals they at home kept, all season last year yeah, and they got three. Since they've been keeping everywhere. stats in 77, 78, they were the worst. So, I mean, I joke with Remus, you know, that just means it's for sure going in the net. And sure enough, it did. Now, there was a couple sticks that went in. I mean, over the big, long season, you'll look at a few goals and, and say, and that's why I'm not worried at all about Connor Hellebuck. I thought the way that he made a couple huge, spectacular saves in the third period shows that, you know, his engagement level and how he's in. And that's the least of the worries. Mm-hmm. But in addition to an 0-8 power play, I mean, not getting a lot done. Uh, the 5-on-5 play, five play has been better. And I think that we looked at the chances that have been given up by the Winnipeg Jets. A lot of things that we thought we'd see this year have actually transpired. Unfortunately, that doesn't really matter if you're not getting it done on special teams and your big guys haven't been firing and scoring um, because you end up losing hockey games. It does seem like some of these things are relatively simple to 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 correct, and I do think there's been some good things about the way they've been playing that would you know translate to success long term. Um, but I'll tell you what, Jeff. I mean, all of that you don't have a lot of time to get going. I mean, a bad start does a couple things. I mean, it puts you behind the eight ball, trying to catch up, playing catch up all season, which you don't want. And let's be real here. I mean, we can say about how safe Paul Maurice is and, you know, his tenure here and how the organization is all in. We also all agreed that with the work done in the offseason, the expectations because of the additions, that it was going to put a lot of pressure onto the coach to get the most out of this hockey club. And I don't think there's anyone saying that through two games they've seen this is the Jet team we expected to see this year. Lots there, Huss. So... (laughs) To, yeah, so I'll start with I'll start with kind of the lineup. I think you you know certainly you want to have Blake Wheeler in your lineup. I think if he's out any you know term here, you get to experiment with the, you know a couple different guys on the top line. I just to me this is what I just this is what drives me nuts is that you know Paul Maurice will say post game that you know following that first loss that you know he wants people hard on the puck. He needs you know what he's asking out of the players is is a lot you know and, and a quick on the puck game yada yada yada. What is a thirty five year old? averaging the most ice time as a forward. And is that, is that like, you know, is, is Blake Wheeler, is that because it's so early in the season, he's got a tank that you can run him? Is it because that's what you get the best out of Blake Wheeler when you run him? How many times have we heard Paul Maurice talk about, you know, Blake Wheeler pretty much crawling out of the, the, the you know, the bench and, and playing some of his best hockey? Like, I just, I don't understand why you're overusing him and adding more minutes to him, particularly on the penalty kill. So, there's some lineup stuff that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, why would he be playing hard minutes on the PK, even though he's proven in the past to kind of 
you know, do that. I just, I think you need to be safer with him because you can get a lot out of Blake Wheeler. And I'm not trying to say, you know, he's 35 years old, his season's behind him, yada, yada, yada. I get he's the highest paid player on this team. I get he's the captain. I get, you know, he plays a big role in this. But why is he leading the team in ice time at his age? And so for me, you know, there's some questionable things, you know, that maybe at the top there, like how much patience do you have for the first line? Like if Mark Scheifele, Blake Wheeler, and Kyle Connor aren't doing anything, you know, and I know that Blake Wheeler set up that goal with Kyle Connor, and you know, there's some, uh, you know, some parts of the game that are good. Obviously, the penalties that are bad, but I mean, at the same time, like, how do you not mix that up? Like, how much do you owe 26? To, like, do you owe him your job? Because it seems like it's hard, becoming harder and harder to sell that like he deserves more and more minutes. Like, he, as his game, you know, I'm not saying it's in steady, steady decline, but it's in decline nonetheless, and his minutes are are rising, and it's just like what are you doing? And, and particularly on the penalty kill. So, you know, whether or not, you know, people will say Andrew Cobb, and I've said this before, like is Andrew Cobb, I don't think Andrew Cobb's a, you know, a, a top six centerman. I think he's a support system on the wing for a centerman who isn't great defensively. And that's the role he plays with Pierre-Luc Dubois taking a bit of pressure off him. But also not every single line needs to have your best play. Like your first line doesn't have you have to have your three best players. In fact, most of those lines, if you have your two best players on there, you put a guy in who by himself would never be classified as a first line player. So I don't look at Andrew Kopp and go, he can't play top line minutes. He can play top line minutes if a better guy is helping out the second line and they're and they're rolling because we're having a problem here where we keep hearing about how great this top six is, but this great top six does not roll at the same time. It's like one guy has a good game, two guys on a line have a good game, then another line has a good game. No one's putting it together. No one's, they're not finding games where that top six is dominating. And you have to remember this, guys, is that you had Adam Lowry's line setting up guys like the top two lines playing against lesser competition because they were playing against the other team's best. They aren't doing that anymore. So now all these guys who are like, well, what the heck is Adam Lowry's line getting a ton of minutes for? Give me the minutes. I deserve them. I'm the one that scores goals. I'm the one that you're paying big money to. Well, put them up against the uh, the competition that Lowry's been, line's been shutting down, and they ain't doing anything. So what are we doing here? It's, it's kind of like one step forward, two steps back. And, yeah, this team's really good on paper, but if they're not executing – like. And I hate that thing, like executing the plan. Like, finally, I thought this would be the year that skill would take over, that you didn't have to ask these guys to, you know, body check every single play, finish every check, that this was the defense you had to close those gaps, to be able to pinch, to have guys settle, play a complete game. And we just haven't seen that through two games. So I'm not one of the, you know, I'm not, I'm going to put that person, I'm going to be that person who says, I'm not going to hit the panic button, but there's so many things here that are lingering that are, you know, people have talked about hanging into the season that we're seeing that it's almost kind of like, are you the only ones that don't see it? And how are you going to fix it? And I, you know, as much as it's, you know, as you suggested, Huss, that maybe there's some easy fixes here. Um, I don't think asking Blake Wheeler to take a lesser role is one of those. So, you know, again, maybe Blake Wheeler proves me wrong and says this, you know, whatever. And I'm not saying he's going to have a bad season. I just don't think that that guy should be averaging the most minutes on your team when you constantly hear Paul Maurice talking about, and Wheeler talking about these guys, younger guys in the prime of their careers. Let's make, like, if they're in the prime of their careers, let's have that responsibility reflect that statement. Um, what about Maurice? Like I, I just think, yeah, mentioning, I mean, I mean, like the early starts not great. As I said, we're two games in. Anyone that wants to fire the coach right now probably had an agenda beforehand, or has been saying this for a couple of years, or whatever. But I, I do think, though, that 
you know, should this continue for a couple weeks? And if the Jets have a really bad start, um, I'm not suggesting anything will happen, but I certainly think the seat will be hotter. It will be talked about more um, in legitimate circles as opposed to people just firing barbs from anonymous accounts on Twitter. There's lots of things that Paul Maurice has that you need in a dressing room and that you need in a dressing room in 2021. Because you can't just bring in the guy that's going to hammer on everybody that's going to, you know, um, that's going to come in and just kind of tear everything apart. Right. Like and, and yell at everybody. It doesn't work today. The players have too much power. You know, that whole like listen to coach thing has eroded over the years. We've seen it happen on many different teams. So the one you know, I'm going to say the one good thing, but one of the best things that Paul Maurice has going for him is an ability to reach his players now if he does if he's not getting the best out of his players day and day no that you know maybe that comment isn't as strong um the one thing i will say about coaching aspects is in hockey is a very fluid game it's not you know it's not like you go in at halftime in football you look at the tape and you make some adjustments formation wise and you can have some real great results you kind of it's so fluid it's very you know on the top thinking and a lot of it is left up to the players to execute but special teams ain't one of those Special teams is the thing that you actually have control over, that you implement, that you strategize for, all those things. And we just aren't seeing it. We aren't seeing the success. We aren't seeing the execution, as you, as you call it. The other thing, too, is, and this is where I don't get onto it because it's two games, right? Um, and in the grand scheme of things, two games is nothing. Now, I agree with you about the, the record part because, you know, you looked at, I forget what year it was, Nashville, years ago now. They started 10-1. and one. And realistically, you could play 500 hockey all the way through the rest of the game or rest of the season and be nine games above 500 to make the playoffs. When you start slow, yeah, you start, you know, if they go 0-3 against a pretty good uh, mini team, well, they better come home and start winning those games and even it up as soon as possible. But my point to this whole thing is that, you know, whether or not, you know, Paul Maurice can get this job done, whether or not his seat's on fire, that's not Jeff Hamilton's decision. I hate saying third person here, but that's not my decision that's somebody else's decision. So the idea of being like, they should fire Paul Maurice. It's not my job. Like it's not my job, but I will say this. If you now eliminate all the excuses and we talked about this leading in and all our season previews, if you eliminate the excuses that this team and ultimately Paul Maurice has had over the last couple of years, including the defense, obviously, then there is no excuses. So now you have the team you've spent to the cap. There's no more money to spend. You're in a situation where you literally can't dress a full roster because you're saving pennies because of all these decisions you've made, ultimately decisions that Paul Maurice would have been a big part of. And now what? So, you know, this could all be a moot point. It's all about wins and losses. So if this team comes out and they continue to snowball, yeah, obviously his job's going to be, you know, on the hot seat, maybe just from a media standpoint, perhaps the Jets are just like, no, we're not, you know, he's our guy, yada, yada. And that's certainly been the case. But when you look at how long Paul Maurice has been here um, and how you know little they've achieved in the postseason when it matters, I mean, we call this team Stanley Cup contenders for years, but it's one season. You know, it's been one season where they've really been contenders. No one looked at them last year as as they were going to run the, run the table. Nobody. So now that they paid, they've spent to the cap, now they have the players that they've, you know, have been clamoring for 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 seasons now. Where else do you point? You can't fire the players, but you can fire the coach. And what doesn't work for Paul Maurice, what does work for him is his relationship with the team. What doesn't work for him, in my opinion, is his tenure with the team. Because there's not a lot of coaches out there. What? It's John Cooper that's been been hired. That's you know, it. He's the only guy that hasn't been fired since Paul Maurice got, you know, took over for Claude Noel. I don't know. You don't have to be an opinion guy or a super big hockey guy to realize, hey, 
what gives? And that's kind of it's kind of where I stand with all that. Uh, this is great stuff. Hey, do you do you have a second? Do you have to go? Because there's another topic I want to get to you with you that might get into it for five or ten minutes. Hey, sure, I'll stick around. What's okay, up? listen, just but before we do that, um, because this is going to be something that I think affects a lot of Winnipeg fans. Um, and I think it's important for us to talk about. But I do want to thank Princess Auto for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, we'll be doing our daily curling or our weekly curling reports, especially as we get close to the Olympic trials next month. Can tell you that uh, on the pebble this weekend out in um, in Penticton, Nicholas Adine beat Glenn Howard in the semi in the uh, finals. Um, Princess Auto sponsored team Mike McEwen bounced by Adine 5-2 in the semis and a little shout out to a Samantha Graves and Jordan McDonald who won the girls and boys side of things on the Manitoba Junior Curling Tour outside over in uh, in Stonewall of course Princess Auto proud sponsors of Jen Jones and the Mike McEwen rink and also the spot where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Visit them online or in-store today, and they'll help you make it work. You can find it all 24 hours a day at Princess Auto auto.com um big shout out to our friends at little brown jug i know a few of you went out to the s'more beer please event on friday night looked really really cool um they still do have that special on the 19 and 50 liter kegs of the summer lager 40 percent off right now and if you're thinking about a great spot for an event holidays coming up hopefully we will be able it does look like we'll be able to gather together indoors as long as everyone's vaccinated and um, nowhere better to do that than down at Little Brown Jug on William Avenue. They just went live with an event booking page where you can find out about booking your holiday parties, birthdays, bachelor, bachelorette parties, and more over at the beautiful Little Brown Jug Brewery and Tap Room on William Avenue. You can find all that at littlebrownjug.ca. And, of course, our friends at Boston Pizza are ready for Monday Night Football tonight. This is the... Uh, Maybe the best time of year to be spending time with your buddies at your local Boston pizza. Uh, the schooners will be ice cold. The pizza will be great. The Boston wings will be ready to go tonight. It's the Bills and Titans. And then tomorrow, right back at it, past a Tuesday, and the Jets and the Minnesota Wild. And, of course, if you're not heading out tonight, you can order the great taste of Boston pizza at bostonpizza.com. All right, Hammer, I was going to get into this and do a bit of rant myself on this, but while you're here, I'm very interested in your perspective on this. Okay. Uh, I, I I wanted to focus on what's happened coming out of the weekend. And of course, we've got the Jets home opener on Thursday. But I'm already triggered and I'm more pissed off the more I think about this every day we get closer to Saturday that Winnipeg fans that support both the Jets and the Bombers are going to have to make a choice between using their tickets for the hockey game against Nashville at 6 p.m. at Canada Life or going to see the Bombers play BC at the exact same time at IG Field. In a market like this, with a, I mean, it's one of the smallest markets. You have a ton of people, companies, businesses that are supporting both teams. How does this happen that people are being put in this situation? And who, who do we have to be angry with? Who should be sending our angry emails to? Who should be fl- we should be flaming on Twitter that this is happening right now? Because I'll say this. I, I think the Bombers 
are sort of out of it on this. I mean, the TFL schedule is put well in advance, but I also think from a Jets perspective, they're not idiots. I mean, they realize that it's not a good look for them to be playing at the same time. Yeah. And at the end of the day, the bottom line is the people that get screwed on this are the people that are supporting both of these teams. Um, I really do think that sports in general is going to be in a period over the course of the next year or two where there is going to be a little bit of a market correction. I think we've already seen that. I don't think they can continue to raise prices the way they've done over the course of the last 10 years, and that's not focusing on any one team or the other. The TV viewing experience is so good, and it's cheap. A lot of people are choosing to do that. But um, how does this happen? And I mean, what do... What and who do we need to talk about to avoid this sort of again? Because at the end of the day, it's bullshit for Winnipeg fans to have to choose. Yeah, thank goodness you uh, you threw the promotion. You got let me you let me settle down a little bit and uh, take a couple deep breaths, <laughs> exactly. which is, which is good. I'm sure, like I'm sure the I'm sure the comment section is is both on my side and against <laughs> me. But um, you know, to answer that question, I, I don't know. Like I, I feel like sorry, I do know exactly what it is it's I, I just as you were as you were kind of launching into the question i went and looked at the schedule and it's quite obvious tsn broadcasts the bomber game sportsnet's going to broadcast the you know rogers is going to broadcast the hockey game so you know who's to blame who are you going to yell at the reality is is hockey night in canada sure as heck is it removing the winnipeg jets from that night game um, that's a prime spot for them. That's a Canadian team, all those things. Um, whereas with the Bombers, you know, I would say you kind of put it on the Bombers because, and then, sorry, when I say the Bombers, I don't mean the, the Winnipeg Football Club. I'd say the CFL and the schedule makers. The Bombers don't make the schedule. So I'm not saying go send Wade Miller a bunch of emails about how unhappy you are. The reality is, is that CFL plays Saturday, Friday, Saturday. So they're going to have the, you know, they're going to, ha- this isn't the first time this has happened, but if there was ever to be a change, if they were looking at market numbers, it would have to be the CFL that would change. I mean, they'd have to change it to a day game. How easy that would be. I'm not hundred percent sure, you know, things have, have changed quickly, um, you know, under different circumstances, whether that's a remake game, other things. So th- they have the ability to do it, whether or not they will is another question. Now I would say if you wanted to pressure the CFL, you know, that would probably be your route. Um, you know, is it too late? I don't know. You know, might they come out and say, hey, we're going to have the bomber game during the day on TSN. And then, you know, Jets fans can can check out the game at night. But as I said, this has kind of happened in the past. I do understand it's a bit of a, you know, puts it puts sports fans in a in, in a in a situation where they have to choose their, you know, choose their favorite, you know, their hometown team. Um, but you know, as far as, you know, directing any rage, I think it's just one of those scheduling conflicts that unfortunately is it's not the first time and it, and it likely won't be the last. Listen, it's unnecessary. It's completely unnecessary. And and and, and for the teams that and I get they get a lot of money from their TV rights and they are somewhat beholden, especially to the national carriers for when these teams are playing. But, I mean, you think this is going to help either of these teams when it comes back to, you know, people cutting big checks to buy season tickets for both teams next year? Remembering the fact that we, the second game of the season, they had to miss one of the two games. And, oh, it's happening again on the 6th of November. It's garbage. And to be honest, I mean, like, and this is why it's a perfect conversation to have with you. I mean, you work with the Winnipeg Free Press. You're completely independent. You don't have ties with either TSN or Rogers. Mm-hmm. And God knows I don't really know any either. <laughs> so 
Um, Got no Mr. Editors. I'm sending my stories. No, exactly. And, you know, for for TSN, I get it. I mean, this schedule was made a long time ago. And and I I really think the more I think about it, you know, Rogers is sitting there going, okay, hmm, well, there's going to be a lot of people in Winnipeg watching this game at six o'clock. Well, we know what we'll do. We'll counter program. And hey, like you like you think the Jets Nashville is getting coast to coast attention when the Leafs are playing as well <laughs> as if we'll have the D team calling the game. Uh, you know, it'll be on 360 or something like that while the other big Canadian teams get it. And the bottom line is the Winnipeg fans, the ones that are you know supporting both teams are the ones that are getting the shaft big time. And, um, you know, I honestly think, and this is part of a bigger conversation that I wanted to bring up. I really do believe, and again, I speak of this from, from an interesting background. I have sold season tickets. I've sold corporate sales before I did all of this. I mean, literally my life in the business was working with customers of our teams, specifically the hockey teams. And I understand, you know, even back then the, the challenge, the outlay, the financial commitment to get people to, to commit. There was a nice honeymoon for the Winnipeg Jets when the team came back. It was the biggest story in town, and it still really is. But, you know, we've all seen the law of diminishing returns when it came to the massive season ticket waiting list and how hard it was to get a ticket in the first few years. And I'm telling you, if COVID did not happen, the way things were ending in that season, what had happened since 2018 into the miserable end to 2019, I really did think that there was going to be a massive reckoning for the Winnipeg Jets when it came to how many you know, of their season tickets were getting renewed. I do think that I think COVID maybe softened the blow a little bit. I do know of some people that maybe weren't thinking about doing it and then you miss everything for so long. You haven't done anything. You're like, okay, what the heck? I, I'm going back. I mean, for me, I'm going to have my seats in the upper bowl forever. And, you know, you don't like to say that, but I mean, I will probably, I'll always want to have that. I think there's a lot of people doing that, but that's not everybody. And from a business standpoint, both the teams, all these leagues are being challenged. And then when you add in the fact that unvaccinated people aren't able to go to games, uh, I think that, you know, the Leafs had open seats for their home opener. There are open seats in Edmonton going forward. There's going to be open seats on Thursday night, I would imagine. I'd love to be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that is going to be the case. So then when you break down to the way things have been done in the past and the way the fans are the ones that are sat there paying for the two tickets, only can be able to go to one, you would think that at some point, the people that are making the decisions finally realize, wait a second, who are our customers? Why are we doing it to them and not have, because it's completely disrespectful to the people that are really the people that they're their customers too. And I have such a bad taste in my mouth thinking about this as to why it's happened and the complete callous disregard for the people that are actually paying the freight for both the teams as well as these TV companies when it comes to it. And um, it, it's absolutely a joke, Jeff. Um, as I said, I just, I'll just i probably be ranting on this every day this week, but Love I figured it. I would bring this up to you to get it going on right now because it gets lost a lot by a lot of people in the media, and no disrespect for them, but none of them buy tickets, and they are just ones that you know will go, I'm like, oh, geez, that's a weird. I guess we'll have to send so-and-so to the Jet game and so-and-so to the Bomber game, and people forget about this. But like, you think the NFL or do you think the Buffalo Sabres have a home game at the same time as the Bills? You think the Pittsburgh Penguins are playing the same time as the Steelers? Mm. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah. So why the hell are we an afterthought and it happens here in Winnipeg? 
So, yeah, I mean, even just to add on a couple of things, I mean, I think scheduling was very difficult. I mean, I, I, I think some people would look at go, well, well who was the, whose schedule was out first? It's tough to kind of determine whose schedule is out first because release date and finish date are two very different things. A lot of work gets put behind the scenes. Schedules get shelved. It takes a lot of it takes some bright minds, even for a nine league team to put together schedules. So I don't know you know, if there was necessary, necessarily malice in any of the schedule makers being like, well, you know, this is what we want. I don't think that the, you know, unfortunately for, for where the Bombers stand now, they've definitely shrunk the gap as far as, you know, when the Jets first came back and the Bombers weren't impressive on the field, you know, that gap between fans' interest in them was pretty large. Look, you know, fast forward to today and that it's, it's shrunken, I would argue, you know, considerably um, and that a lot of people are obviously paying more attention to the Bombers. I think I I hate to say this, but like because the CFL is two under the NHL, it's kind of up to like the CFL to be like, you know, understanding that these could be conflicts and not go head to head. Yeah, with, but their you know, like the their season, their their schedule was out, tickets were printed, they were being played by the time the NHL schedule was 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 you know in concrete. And let's not forget the schedule came out and then there was a few changes. I mean, I believe yeah. the Jets originally were supposed to be playing on Wednesday and then they were playing on Thursday. Like, you mm. can't tell me that there is no way that this conflict of these games in the same city at the exact same time could have been avoided. Um, well, I mean, well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this, Huston. Like, it's not that I, uh, you know, besides the schedule makers aside, like, I don't think the NHL cares when the CFL plays. Um, you know, they're, they're more than happy to go head to head with the CFL. And I'm not saying, you know, don't, you know, don't direct your hate at the jets because they didn't make the schedule either. Just like I mentioned about the bombers, but if it's the CFL, that's trying to maximize their eyeballs and needs to, I mean, the NHL has an attitude, of course they need them, but they have an attitude that they don't need fans as much as, you know, the well, CFL to me, needs to me the jets, so. my, my, I guess my beef with the jets in all of this mm-hmm. is the fact that, I do think that if it was seen, if it was seen as as a big enough affront to their fans, Ex- that's they, exactly they, it. They that's, could that, say, that's exactly Hold it. On if it was a, sec, a playoff guys. game and the Before. Bombers were in the playoffs, and all of a sudden the, that that those eyeballs were were suddenly a lot more challenging to get, you'd have the Jets picking up their you know well, picking what? up their broadcast and moving it. But that's so. So why doesn't the same logic work for the CFL then? You know, like if 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 the, if the Jets feel like you know they're competing for eyeballs at a certain time. They'll make the appropriate moves, you know, and whether or not, you know, again, the season started in August for for, you know, the CFL, the scheduling kind of came out in and around there for the NHL. And I'm I'm not pretending that the NHL cares about what the CFL schedule was. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, the team that is feels like they're going to be hurt the most or the league feels that like they're going to be hurt the most. They need to make the move. I think, you know what I mean? Whether, you know, but I, I, I appreciate certainly a great rant. And I think you did exactly that. I just think at the point now, I don't know if it's going to be the Jets or like, I'm not going to, you know, we're not going to do a Saturday night. I think you need to look at, I think if you're the Bombers, you need to look at having a day game or if you're the CFL. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, there, it, it is a triple header um, on Saturday. Okay, well, There's there you three go. games. The B- Bomber game is the middle game. There's a West game that's late. That's a 9 p.m. game. So I guess there's a possibility you could have swapped the the three and the, the six o'clock start times. Uh, it's yeah. going to happen. And Remus has just told me, and this is the Jets host the Leafs on December 5th at six o'clock. Mm. The West finals at three 30. 
3.30. Now, again, you'll have yeah. some people that go back, and maybe the Bombers will take care of everyone and go and uh, you know put the game out of reach after three quarters, and people won't be too late for it. Um, and again, a playoff game is a little different. I'll give them a little bit of slack for that because you don't know what game you're playing in. you got to earn your way in. I'll, right. I'll, I'll give them a pass for that. But in the regular season, for game number two of the year, to be at the exact same time as a bomber game. It, to be honest, there's probably a lot of people. I mean, at worst, it's malice by the national hockey broadcaster going, this is a great way of sticking it to our competitors at the expense of the customer. At right, which best, is exactly who you're aiming at because no team, whether it's the bombers in the CFL or the Jets in the NHL, pick their schedule. They don't like, you know, they don't go talk to Mark Chipman and go, you know, I think you can put in proposed dates possibly. That might even be wrong. But there's no way that the you know the owners of the respective clubs were like you again in the CFL there are needs there are needs for different teams so you can request needs for instance in the CFL there's some teams that don't like weekend games because they don't make draws they like them they like the Thursday games they know that people are going to the lake on the weekend and don't want to go there's other there's other things at play here and I imagine the NHL is even more challenging with 32 teams I don't think they get to put in like what they want so like so I think this really does come down not a bombers versus jets issue, but two TV broadcasters that maybe aren't realizing or maximizing their eyeballs for their respective sport. So yeah, well, no, that that. is for sure. But as I said, I just go back to the, I I guarantee you when the, if the Buffalo Sabres got their schedule or the penguins got their schedule for the year and before it's released, they go, "Uh, guys, we got a home game at the same time as the, as the Steelers. Like this just isn't going to work for us. It's not going to work for our fans. It wouldn't be. It would be an afterthought. Um, True. So, anyways, this it it really bothers me because, as I said, it's the fans that pay the freight for everybody involved. Every single person that we've talked about here: the Bombers, the Jets, TSN, Rogers. Every single one of them, their business is on the back of the fans, and the fans mm-hmm. are paying more. They're being asked to do more things each and every year. It is being, I think, more and more challenging every season for average fans to be able to just afford and make that commitment. And now you're doing this. People remember this stuff. People will remember this stuff. And unfortunately for these teams, they might be remembering it when their season ticket represent calls to say, hey, how's the summer? Looking forward to the season. Are you back? And they're being like, you know what? I know I can get tickets. I'm going to go to a bunch of games but I really don't want to be put in a situation like I was three times last season where I'm just giving away my tickets because I can't go to both games at the same time. It's a joke. Burn it all down, Huss. Burn it all <laughs> down. You started the fire, man. You lit the match. Time to grab the gas. Burn it all down. Expose them. Feel Expose free to them. do a big call on that, platform. too. Take full advantage of it. I love it. <laughs> well, love it. Love this, it. I, 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 I will guarantee you, folks, and I hope it won't be too overbearing or cumbersome, but this will not be the last time you hear about this on the show this week. And unfortunately, it won't be over after this week because the same damn thing is happening next month and potentially on what will be a real special day in early December with the Bombers taking on uh, whoever makes it to Winnipeg for that West final. What do you got cooking this week in the free coming out today with my, uh, my weekly CFL column CFL rundown, where I go through all the drama that's unfolded from the week that was on and off the field. Always love doing it. Love digging into all the games, watch all the games, obviously love digging into some of the side stories and, and all that stuff. But uh, I just thought of an idea. Maybe if you can get on, if you can get like, when you kind of feel like there's a rant going on or a potential rant being teed up, maybe you can get some kind of 
advertisement for like a heart rate thing where you have like the heart rate at the bottom and you know you might be composing yourself in front of the camera but but the storm that's brewing on the inside we want to know and maybe you know anyways that one's a freebie the next one is going to cost you so but other than that just uh you know what i'm switching to i'm switching to jets this week um i'm not covering the bomber game on saturday for the first time in a long time because I'm heading to California on Monday for the Jets three game swing. So I'll uh, getting back into my hockey, you know, grind and, and juggling both, uh, which, which is fun and, and challenging at the same time. But uh, yeah, that's what I got cooking up here for the next few days. I'm already, I'm already making a little note. We're going to call Delta nine for like a, a, a chill, <laughs> a, a, a chill spot. Yeah, you know, need you to go. calm yeah, down. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. You're going to need some Indica for this guy's situation. Yeah. Thank you. It's just CBD, just CBD. Of course. Yeah, of course. No, none of the, none of the high agents or whatever, that, whatever, hey, yeah, uh, whatever dude, the other this gross was, stuff This is. was a lot of fun. Everyone was pumped that you hung around for that. You were the, a perfect guy to kind of bounce some of that stuff off of because it would have just been 10 minutes of me yelling and that wouldn't yeah. have been good. No, no worries. I uh, appreciate coming on every time and now I'm chasing the sun out of my uh, out of my living room. So uh, thanks for having me on. Always appreciate it. And uh, as I always do, shout out to the commenters. You guys are the ones that make this the, the show it is. So Hammy, California. Love it. They're all getting sure. ready for your reports from uh, the Not sunshine putting my shorts state away. Not putting my shorts away <laughs> just yet. Hey, Not yet. Some today. It's gorgeous outside. Yeah, totally. yeah, Have no a doubt. great one, dude. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. There it is, Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press. Uh, Got to thank Not Auto Corp for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk since day one. Um, and I've got a lot of exciting things happening over at Waverly and McGill right now. The Winnipeg Car Lab is open. You can follow them on all the social channels at Winnipeg Car Lab. Uh, they're doing wraps. They're doing tinting, striping, rims. So many things you might need if you're trying to customize a vehicle, whether for business or pleasure. And then when it comes to uh, getting a new vehicle, if you are in the market, why not get into the car of your dreams at an amazing price with the help of the Not team? You need to get down there to Waverly and McGillivray and see all the incredible vehicles on the block or save the trip before you start. Check them out online at not.ca and get the Not experience started. Why not visit them at Waverly and McGillivray or online at not.ca. Uh, as I mentioned to Hammer, it is absolutely gorgeous. So we've been saying this for about the last month. I think we're going to get down into single digit territory, but not today. Um, so why not squeeze one more trip with the family down to grab some blizzards at the Nick and Nikki DQ group? Uh, you can do it out in Niverville at the DQ in Niverville, up on McPhillips at the DQ on Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and of course the DQ St. Anne's. Um, and as well, when you pop by, Grab some of the take-home treats. I know Remus got stocked up a couple days ago. He's been enjoying those, as have I been. And whether it's a treats of pizza, a DQ cake, Dairy Queen always makes your appearance at an event that much better. If you come bring in the good stuff, hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba, and you can get your cake ordered in advance. Quick and easy pickup at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQ groups. Um, a big congratulation to our winner, Frank, who uh, got the hoodie that we did with Canadian Club on the weekend or on Friday's Marble Race. We've got some great giveaways this week. Another hoodie to give away. Um, Jeff Kabilis came by on the weekend and picked up his I Love Ride package. I'm not sure whether he drank all the CC during Saturday night's game. 
might have made the result a little bit easier to handle. Uh, but the Great Taste of Canadian Club is available throughout IG Fields as the official whiskey sponsor of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And of course, the Great Historic Taste of Canadian Club available at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts as well. Don't miss Friday shows on YouTube for the Marble Race and some more great prizes courtesy of our friends at Canadian Club. All right, let's get Remus back in here. I do want to get to the NFL before the end of the program. Uh, but Remo, you heard the conversation with Hammer. I mean, obviously we got to everything coming out of the weekend, but um, I wasn't going to wait till Friday to say how garbage this was that Winnipeg fans are getting screwed like this with having to choose between the two games. Um, where do you come out on this? Am I overreacting or am I saying something that, des- that definitely needs to be said? No, I think you're on to something here, Huss. Um, it needs to be said. I agree. Who do, who do I need to get mad at? Yes. Is basically, who? <laughs> Who's, who should we be mad at? Is it TSN? Is it Sportsnet? Is it the leagues? Is it the teams? I completely agree. Um, this should be avoided. You look at the NHL schedule. There weren't any games yesterday. There was one game. You think they want to go head-to-head with the NFL in certain nope. cities? They absolutely do not. I agree. It's a lack of respect for the fans of the cities, and it's the two networks not caring about the fans and trying to stick it to each other. And I agree. You would probably would be better off having them at separate times so you can maximize the viewing. And I can see with the CF. And I agree with Jeff. You know, if you're the CFL, you got to know. Hey, you know, the NHL is more popular. However, the CFL ratings. I see they get like 500k a game, so I'm not sure what More, what the ratings this, for. I don't know what the ratings are for the Jets on Sportsnet 360 that nobody gets on Sportsnet One. Although they were on Sports, to be fair, they were on Sportsnet West on the weekend. But I know CFL. I mean, TSN has been getting amazing ratings for CFL, and I see our friend Adam Seaborn tweeting them every week. So, so I think something needs to be done. I don't know what, but. You raise the issue. I'll clip it. I'll put. I'll put it out with a type show. Who Who are we getting mad at for yeah. this? <laughs> who needs to take the heat? You know. Um. And, and listen, I, I get it that you know when they're putting a Leaf game in Toronto, no one cares about the Argos, unfortunately, and you know that's not really a thought. And it's probably the same thing with the Habs. But. I mean, honestly, the, the, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are the defending Grey Cup champs. We've got a real good thing going on. They are very well supported. And I would I would be surprised, and maybe this is different since when I was working on the hockey side of things, dealing with a lot of people, but I would say, particularly of the corporate customers, and maybe it's easy for the corporations to kind of get it to different people, probably is, than an average fan that has seats for the Jets and seats for the Bombers. But there's like the Venn diagram of bomber season ticket holders and Winnipeg Jet season ticket holders. I don't want to say it's a circle, but it's there's major overlap. So to put everybody in the middle of those two circles um, in a situation where they can't use one of their two tickets that they bought that day, it just really sucks. It's completely avoidable. It's unnecessary. And unfortunately, I think the people that end up making this call just frankly don't care. And, you know, maybe, oh, it's just Winnipeg, whatever. But I don't know. I got a bad taste in my mouth about it. And I've already talked to people going, yeah, I got to give away my tickets for this that aren't happy about it. And I worry about 
the long run of this as to, you know, as it's getting harder and harder for these teams to count on the huge expenditure for season tickets, particularly in the national hockey, obviously CFL, not even close with the number of games. Um, but still, neither of these teams are in a position right now where they're absolutely sold out every night. You need to get season tickets. People do that because they want to support the teams. They want to be there. They love going to the games. But all of a sudden, if, you know, before you even start out, you know that you're taking a haircut on two or three games that you'd want to go to, not to mention how much more difficult it is to sell them or move on from them, considering the fact that there's another game at the same time. Um, it, it's a joke. It, it is brutal for fans. And Winnipeg fans deserve better. I'll just leave it at that for today. Hit us in the comments afterwards. If you're listening on the podcast, feel free to send us a tweet on this. We'll get some traction on it throughout the week because, um, as I said, if no one says anything about it, it'll just keep happening. And I don't know. I mean, are the TSN people or the Rogers people are going to say anything about it? No. And, you know, honestly, and I bring a hammer on and he's a perfect guy to, to do it. I mean, you know, the newspaper people, they're covering their beats. I mean, as I said, they, you know, it'd be probably, oh, geez, oh, geez, there's two games on the same day. That's interesting. I wonder what game I'll be covering. They're not thinking about it. Goes, Damn it. What am I going to do with the, my $55 bomber seats and my $120 jet seat that same day? So I, I hope that maybe we can help avoid this in the future. But um, I'm not impressed with the schedule on Saturday. We shouldn't have to pick and choose, and it's in the it's in the worst. Um, it's not in the best interest of either of the local teams to have this sort of thing. All you do is piss off your fans, and I think at the end of it, you might lose some long term customers that have been supporting you on season tickets if this sort of thing keeps happening again. Hey, one thing we haven't touched on in terms of ticket sales, I was looking. You know, I'm seeing a lot of ads pop up on my Facebook for Jets tickets, and I looked. I was like, hey, I wonder how the home opener is doing and i looked at the seats available yesterday just on ticketmaster not seat exchange lots in the upper deck in the top rows lots so much that if you wanted to buy four tickets in the upper deck to the jets home opener thursday they'd give you a they give you you could buy three and get one for free they had that that's the offer that they put for the shitty concerts no one wants to go to where they say hey you buy three tickets or four for the price of three wow you can get that for the jets home opener so they are trying to sell these tickets if you want to go and support the team uh you can go there's time available and i don't know if you saw this people were asking us in the in the chat to talk about this the jet dog burger I don't know if you've seen this. Well, but no, that is I mean, be, it was is, it was supposed yeah. to be rolled out today at one o'clock, which mm-hmm. unfortunately, speaking of conflicts, was at the exact same time that we were going on the air. So, of course, we couldn't make it down there. We were uh, we were busy working. Uh, we may go down and do some content with them and uh, see some of the new concession treats. And we can, you know, obviously have that for our YouTube. We're not, do we have pictures of this? I mean, can yeah. you debut it right here on yeah, the program? I can yeah. get my first look at it. We'll do our first look rating of the Jet Dog Burger. Hold on. I'm going to I'm gonna pull this thing up. <laughs> Shark Mifley. Shark Jet Mifley's- Dog Burger talk will turn this frown upside down. Exactly. Satiate me with some concession talk, Shark, Shark Mifley came in like 1 o'clock. You guys got to talk about the Jet Dog Burger. I need I need to know what you guys think about this monstrosity. Okay, here it is. The new Jet Dog Burger. Uh, one sec. I got to gotta get my uh, thing. Ah, yes. Here we go. All right. I'll do the transition for this, too. Here we go. <laughs> oh, Whoa. I got to fix your, your camera here. One sec. Yeah, this is it. Uh, the Jet Dog Burger. What? So... <laughs> 
I'm trying. It doesn't say what's in it, but I'll read you the tweet as I fix your video. Sorry, podcasters. Introducing the new Jet Dog Burger. This new take on a classic favorite will be available at Gourmet Burger on both the 100 and 300 level of Canada Life Center. Make sure to give it a try at the home opener this Thursday. And there's an Ehlers bobblehead with the burger. I see two patties in there. I see, two, I don't know if that's one hot dog cut into four halves or four quarters or I think it's two, two dogs. dogs. I think and it's then, two dogs halved and split. Yeah. Two ch- slices of cheese, onion rings on the burger, which I think is very good, lettuce, tomato, and a pickle. I don't know what kind of condiments. Uh, what do you think? I'm I'm intrigued. I'm, I think it would be hard to get your mouth wrapped around this thing. That's my biggest concern. But I'm for, we don't do this enough, mixing a hot dog and a burger in one sandwich. And uh, I think this looks pretty good. So well, I, I mean, that's the Walby burger. I mean, the, the Walby burger has... The, what is it? Six patties and six dogs, and it has some like chicken fingers on it as well. I'll be honest. That and I think chicken you fingers. people know. I'll eat anything, especially at a, an event. Um, but I never had a need to add hot dogs to my burgers. Like, <laughs> I don't know. There's probably some other things you could add to a burger that would make it last. Now, listen, I support this. I want more groundbreaking concession items available to for, for, to fans. Mm-hmm. So I think this is a good start. Um, but it's kind of a mini Walby burger, really, without the, the chicken fingers. You said the Walby burger had chicken fingers. This is a hot dog, so it's actually The Walby like burger has hot dogs, too. Oh, it has hot dogs, too. That Walby oh, burger yeah. was out of control. Is that thing even offered still? Is that on the menu? Absolutely it is. I, this, l- listen, dude, <laughs> just quickly. This is a funny story. You saw that picture that I had with me and Walby after the, um, yeah. I guess it was the Banjo Bowl, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're coming out of the Pinnacle Lounge going downstairs. I was with the Knot guys, and they had the Knot bus in a parking lot just relatively close to the stadium on the other side. And I ended up, I saw a kid walking up into the Pinnacle Club with this massive Walby burger. I took a couple pictures of it. In fact, I'll send you one. Um, and I said, well, what, what's going on? Or where'd you get the Walby burger? I guess, well, I bought one when I was brought it up for some people and a guy offered me 50 bucks for it right there. So he sold it to him and then went back and got another one. <laughs> so, and that was at the time when Walby came out. So then there was a picture of Walby with the Walby burger. We got having a little bit of fun, but, um, yeah, there still is demand for the Walby burger. Um, it is a, uh, it is a, it's a group meal, really. If you're not, you know, a Joey Chestnut competitive yeah. psycho to actually take one down <laughs> on your own is next level. Like realistically, like I, yeah, I, when I was younger, I'd be like, oh yeah, I want to eat this jet dog burger. I'm going to post it on social media and get so many likes for it. Oh, but, um, now <laughs> I'm like, uh, I don't know, man, that's probably going to give me heartburn. And, uh, I, I probably take a couple bites. Like, yeah, I, you'd have to share it with someone or you know get it for your party and cut it up into like appetizer uh, sized pieces here's the thing and again i support this i will commit i will try this at one point this season but i have to say um as long as the jets have the jet dog which is right there the jumbo jet dog that's one of the most elite concession items that you'll find anywhere the toasted bun the stuff that you can put on it it's so good there would be something that would really need to catch my eye to move above the jet dog on the power pole of things that you want to get when you go to a game. Um, maybe, maybe the jet dog burger will be there, but I mean, there really are trying to bumper shine the success of the jet dog 
into the burger side of things. I was kind of hoping that it might have a grilled bun like the Jet Dog has, because I mm-hmm. think everyone would agree, starting off with the original toasted Jet Dog back in the old Winnipeg Arena days in 1.0, between the onions and the grilling of the buns, that was what sort of separated it from everything else. That might be, that's one thing that we're missing on burgers. There you go. There's another great idea. As we we just finished Burger Week, did anyone do a grilled bun like that? Like almost like a grilled cheese? I'm not sure if they did or not. We'll have to ask, uh, we'll have to get Kira over from uh, from mm-hmm. LBJ, the uh, Burgers on the Brain expert. It, She'd know. It looks toasted. There wasn't really a description, but I agree with you. You know, arenas need uh, signature food items. You know, Darren Rovell has gained his whole Twitter following from going, from tweeting out whatever crazy <laughs> menu exactly. item is at whatever stadium. So I think this is a start. Um, I actually wouldn't mind just having like a double cheeseburger, to be honest, like without the hot dog, like switch it with bacon or something. And then I'm, I'm in, but hot dog, that's a lot of, that's a lot of meat. I'm seeing comments about uh, clogged arteries. Uh, Al, <laughs> Al, Al Bain Bell says, you know, this also, he says, can't get the grease out of the jerseys easy and that that is a concern when you get this burger and you're wearing your jersey at the game you don't want to get yeah yes, uh, wear the it. blues wear the home blues if you're getting yeah. the uh, the jet dog burger folks that yeah. maybe not the whites for the playoff whiteout yeah. don't get that I will although say- i've killed a couple jerseys with jet dog remnants and then Jagermeister and other things if they've mm. had a nice big win later on. I've rescued a couple jerseys with OxyClean. Um, I just had to That's... order. I just had to order some, but I have uh, white jerseys. I'm going to recommend OxyClean. You soak it in a buck with OxyClean and wash it. It gets it right out. I, I have some. There's a couple. I actually got blood on my like Sackick Team Canada jersey. Uh, Who's the one blood? That's, the one Not that's yours. behind me. It was my blood. Uh, this was. You've never think, bled in your life. This was. Uh, this was. I was playing shinny uh, one like boxing day a couple years ago. And I was like, yeah, I'll go play shinny, whatever. It'll be fun. There's like 30 people on the ice fighting over one puck. And I'm like, you know, guys are battling in the corner. And I'm kind of just waiting for it to pop out. Well, the puck pops out, hits me right in the mouth. And I, yeah, bled over my stick and my jersey. God, I put it, I got home. I didn't ba- didn't bandage myself up. I made sure to rescue this jersey. I put it in OxyClean right away. And uh, it's it's totally it's whiter than before. There were some coffee well, stains on it. It was I, it was actually it, great that I bled all over because then I finally had an excuse to wash it. You're always nervous about washing jerseys. Uh, do it on <laughs> delicate mode, by the way. Leighton Janice, OxyClean, next WST sponsor. Well, I don't know the OxyClean people, but if any of you do, let them know that there's a great opportunity. I mean, that was hashtag not spawn. That was not but, spawn. But Reem, uh, and, and this is not the first time that this has come up in conversations between the two of us. One of your most famous warm-up tips yes. was your extended jersey maintenance and mm-hmm. cleaning tutorial featuring OxyClean back in the warm-up days. So um, yes. this is not new. This is the OxyClean has been on Remus's training table for years. I've people. been I've been all over OxyClean for a while and my son has a sweater that we like that he got some stains on that I'm gonna have to soak. I just ordered some some more OxyClean actually. It's coming today or the tomorrow. Pope's asking how much OxyClean do you put in the bucket? Uh whatever it says on the thing. Like couple scoops, I think. Like two or three <laughs> scoops. WST, Winnipeg Stain yeah, Talk. Winnipeg Stain <laughs> Talk. I got priority. Oh, man. I, I uh, have a picture. I have a picture that I took of the jersey with the blood on it, and then I then I washed it. was fine. Well, so the one, you know, the one behind me, sorry, the one behind me, the Sackic one, that's on we the are, couch. We're definitely ready 
to uh, to get OxyClean on board. If anybody knows about OxyClean, Michael Remus, we need a you know, video. I stump, I stump for some things like Royal and Not guys that I've worked with for a long time. Remus has been the OxyClean guy, people. So uh, yeah, I, if you know, let them know where to find us. Winnipeg Sports Talk. I actually bought a jersey off Kijiji like a couple years ago. It was like a Jets, you know, '90s CCM one. It had some like weird stains on it, but I put it in OxyClean. Came out, came out new. It was a steal. It was like 10, 10 bucks. I I zipped over to this guy's house to buy this stained uh, <laughs> mid '90s Jets CCM jersey. So I still I rock that one when I need to now. Oh man, I, let's I get. Prefer, I do. I was gonna say I prefer the '90s uh, Jets logo. It's kind of fallen out of favor. We get a lot of the uh, you know original, mm. not original, the '80s one. I like the '90s Jet. Maybe because I grew up with it. It was the only thing I could draw in school was the Jets logo. It was so easy. Um, I was an early adopter. Like when it yeah. did, I always thought that our old uni sucked and our logo was the worst. I've definitely come around to the 80s, uh, the 80s Jets logo, like the way it looks on the Heritage jerseys. I mean, I think they're almost perfect and they're way better than that era of actual jerseys were that were just like knockoff New York Ranger jerseys with the Jets circle logo stuck in. And when... You know, Howard Chuck got traded. Phil Housley was coming in. I was I was in on it, although I wasn't pleased that Dale Howard Chuck wasn't there anymore. I thought Housley, I always loved him. I thought he'll be great for us. So I got right out of the gate a Housley 6 Jets jersey. Uh, and I remember a hat the first day that they went on. And every time a team comes out with a new logo, the hats they have available on the first day always are terrible. Like, I mean, they're just like, what can we make as fast as possible? Um, but it did hang around for a while. But I never really got totally on board with the logo, to be perfectly honest. Wow. So, um, I, I don't know. Fair. I mean, th those are, uh, I did like, I love the numbering on the back, the one color numbers and letters. I thought that was cool. But um, listen, I think we're in a bay, way better situation right now with the jerseys the Jets have going yes. on, both the Man. regulars as well as the heritages. I and, and even, I know you said you came around on the aviators. The aviators aren't around anymore. I like them doing a little something different. And I think the one that got slept on the most, in fact, was the reverse retro last year. I know there's a bunch mm -hmm. of people that were outraged that red wasn't in it. That's part of the reason they were doing something different. Uh, I've seen a few of those done up at Royal Sports, and they are absolutely sharp. I, I might still get one of those. It's funny. I watched um, the Edmonton-Calgary game uh, on Saturday at the same time as the Jets game. I had two TVs going to watch on the Sportsnet Now app, which uh, was giving me some issues, which I've seen other people. But the Edm Edmonton like has the worst jerseys in the league. Not in the league. We, we saw Anaheim. Anaheim is the worst. But I know yeah. we're getting into jersey time. Anaheim's there's other, number one. Th there's other topics. But Edmonton, uh, they could have the best. But they have, like, those blues are terrible. They're so bad, man. The, the like blue with the orange letters like they're, oh, they're awful well and the orange ones are just as bad i mean they're, I, they're terrible you know you would think that they uh they've what got these? some b better ones available yeah. for them what, uh, they have here in winnipeg shout out to the jets for actually going while well, listening to their fans in this case um and getting the heritages out more because um those are the best i mean they're mm -hmm. uh, there, there is not one person i think that would be upset if you said that that's the new main jerseys for the Winnipeg Jets and maybe the original 2.01s are more of a uh, of a secondary logo, who knows? Maybe that'll happen at some point. But anyways, 14 times at home this year wearing the Heritage uh, the Heritage Blues. All right, let's get to Cool Bet. Uh, we got a Monday nighter tonight. Bills and the Titans. Uh, Bills six-point favorites, minus 101. Big money line favorite at minus 238. Shout out to everyone that uh, was riding with us for the Lock Shop Partner Parlay. We've got the Packers. We've got the Cowboys money line. We need the Bills. 
minus two and a half, not the minus six. We bought that down a little bit. So Bills by a field goal. We get back in the win column with the lock shop this week. If you want to bet at Cool Bet, use the promo code WST. They'll double your first deposit up to $200. And, um, you know, before we get to the big wins on the weekend, Reem, uh, on Friday, I talked about the most dirty, disgusting backdoor cover that I can remember for a long time with the Eagles somehow covering with that two-pointer, the six-and-a-half-point spread. Uh, I'm not sure. I, this It started off poorly, and it finished poorly for me. I had the Patriots plus three-and-a-half against the Cowboys. Uh, all they needed to do when they went ahead was not get that two-pointer, and it would have been in the bank. Um, but they get a, they give a touchdown, they get a touchdown, they go up, Dallas ties it. And then of course, not needing a, not needing a touchdown, but they get a touchdown to somehow cover the four. So shout out to Cowboys betters. It was a pretty chalky weekend in the league room. I mean, there wasn't really any huge upsets. I guess the Raiders going into Denver and winning by 10 great story, considering what they and that team went through over the course of this week. Um, but man, when you think, I mean, to me, the biggest story in the league coming out of it is the cards, Cabillas's cards mm. stomping the Browns on the road. They're the lone undefeated team. This game wasn't even close. And to be honest, was almost out of control early in the second quarter when they were up 20 to nothing, a, a number that could have been worse if they didn't kick field goals on those two turnovers deep inside Brown's territory. But, um, I mean, I'll be admit, I've been a little slow to come around in the cards so far, but, um, uh, I stayed away from them. I didn't bet in the game this week because I really don't know, like, when's the market correction going to come for Arizona? Well, it hasn't happened yet. And even without Cliff Kingsbury, they went and absolutely rolled all over a Cleveland team that, um, you know, we've seen really give some of the top teams in the league a real hand- handful this year, not Arizona. The one for me, you mentioned Arizona uh, pacing Cleveland. I didn't see that beating happening, but the San, not San Diego, sorry, LA Chargers dropping an egg against Baltimore after got Baltimore, their asses kicked. Ba- Baltimore played on Monday night, you know, went what to overtime with the Colts, yeah. uh, who I don't, we don't think are very good. LA Chargers, everything's their Super Bowl contenders. Herbert's like the next quarterback. And I haven't changed my opinion on them. I was just shocked that they, you know, didn't really show up. Uh, they couldn't get anything going offensively. Lamar Jackson, you know, he's difficult to stop him and Mark Andrews. Uh, they're on fire right now, but the lack of points there, from the Chargers, and they try doing their thing where they go for it on fourth down and places where maybe teams don't usually go, but they could. They had nothing. Uh, they had no answer for Baltimore. So I was I was shocked as someone uh, who's going on, um, what going on with fantasy taking Keenan Allen everywhere. So yeah, that, well, that I was, was a big, that was a big uh, stinker. I was in on Eckler yeah. on the weekend. He did not do uh, do very well. I mean, Chargers just overall had a really disappointing game. You know, that'll happen a couple times. They've had a great start so far, but it is kind of funny. Um, and I tweeted this out yesterday. I was already bent from the Jets 0-2 start and the loss late on Saturday night. You know, got up, got it together, saw the Jags win. Shout out to Herb. Mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence getting his first win in London, of all places. Um, and then got going and watched the first half of the Chiefs game. And uh, I was ready just to turn the TVs off and try and, you know, I don't know, do something other than sports um, for the rest of Sunday. Obviously, that didn't happen. Um, Mahomes got it together in the second half, as did the Chiefs' defense, which was nice. Still a lot of work to go 
Um, but to shut out a team in a half, considering the way that they've been playing, the turnovers that they did in the first half weren't there. Um, Mahomes ended up passing for just about 400 yards, and the Chiefs actually covered a spread for once, only the second time since mm-hmm. week eight last season that they got that done. Um, the the Cowboys-Patriots game was wild, though, Remus, and Aaron Rodgers got it done again, uh, and maybe the most noteworthy thing about it was how Aaron Rodgers taunted you know they're trying to get taunting out of the national football league the worst taunting all year long was aaron Rodgers after going in doing his title belt celebration just yelling at bears fans i own you i own you i've always owned you and i still own you um that was a straight up wwe heel promo that rogers uh, dropped i was here for it packers look really good and so does their quarterback after that ugly week one loss Seems like the cheese had still got something left in the tank. Yeah, I, I'm. I guess I'm a fan of that from Aaron Rodgers against those rivalries. Uh, sure, I, I think that's that's pretty funny. I see some people saying that it's uh, classless. Lane Janice says that. I think it depends what side you're on. If you want to talk about bad beats before we go in? I did a CFL fantasy lineup, and I'm like finished just out of the money. I'm so rattled. I had Andrew Harris got hurt after that touchdown and Oliveira comes in has an awesome date you know I had a uh, Deadman on Ottawa who like got injured left the game and then what's his face uh, Ryan Davis came in took all those returns and then I had Josh Huff who was like scratch an hour before the game and I missed it so I'm I'm very tilted from my poor showing in CFL fantasy thanks to having three of my guys injured I don't know if we're doing that on Mondays where I say who disappointed me in fantasy but uh I'm very upset. But Harris, that was the story today for the Bombers. Um, yeah. They d- didn't have much of an update, I don't I don't think. We touched on that with, with Jeff earlier. Yeah, I mean, O'Shea essentially said that he's going to be seeing some doctors. They're going to be doing some mm. more tests right now. They haven't really. I mean, I think Hamilton was the best. He said it's not terrible, but it doesn't sound great. Um, hey, the bottom line is the Bombers have basically clinched first place. I mean, you need Andrew Harris to be as good as possible on the 5th of December. Other than that, um, we, we, you want to roll with Brady Oliveira, get Johnny Augustine some reps, totally here for it. Uh, Andrew Harris needs to be ready for the 5th of December and hopefully for the Grey Cup, assuming the Bombers can win that game. Yeah. Everything else up until that point, completely secondary. I was going to say, you think um, they're scrambling to reschedule like a Jets game on the same day as the Grey Cup at the same time? Is that is that happening? <laughs> Sorry, you just brought up Grey Cup. They, there's been a couple times that, you know, in the history, <laughs> they did change a game. There was a Nashville game, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. I think it was supposed to be when on when the Grey Cup was uh, being played, and they either moved it earlier on. They have made a couple changes. But, I mean, come on. It, now you've got me triggered again thinking about Sorry. this. It's just, it's such BS for fans to have to deal with. And as I said, in other markets for their football team. I guarantee you it wouldn't happen, but I mean, it's just secondary. I thought, well, whatever, put them at the same time. No big deal. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I do agree. It's probably 99% the TV stations deciding when it is, but it sure would be nice uh, for a little bit of pushback and maybe the teams working together yeah. with their media partners saying, this doesn't work for our customers who are your customers too, um, that you know won't be watching the game if they're at either of them. Maybe you spread them out and um, have people work together, find an, uh, you know, a solution that works for everyone as opposed to saying, ah, tough, you know, deal with it. Because as I said, I mean, I think there's 
there will be some people that are like, man, do I want to do this each and every year when right off the bat of my 41 games at home, I've got two or three that I neither can't go to or have to give away my bomber tickets? Sucks. It makes no sense. Completely avoidable. And it's just disrespectful to Winnipeg fans. That's pretty much it. A C- couple things before we uh, wrap up here. The Moose started off the season, Huss. Uh, for game one, lost 5-1, but they bounced back. Won 5-0 in game two. Burden with big shout-out. Johnny Kovacevic had a couple points. Toninato Hainala chipping in. So uh, And the Winnipeg Ice, I know you want to touch on the ice. Dude, I mean, they're seven and zero. They're beyond fire. Seven and zero. Okay, this is their goal differential: forty three <laughs> goals for in seven games. Okay, that's what's that average? Someone want to do some quick math? What's forty three over seven? Forty three by seven. That's six point one six seven. Wow, that's a lot of goals. That's quick math, us. You got like an abacus there. But you know how many <laughs> goals against in seven games? Eleven. So that's like one point. I don't know. Two GAs. I don't know what it is. I can't do that quick math. But uh, and then I saw you tweeting as well about the uh, Bison's uh, scoring twenty three oh, unanswered God. in the fourth quarter against the Cowboys. Bison Dinos. football. I know Mike Wynn is out there. Shout out to Zach, who is uh, you know finally getting back on the field after. Well, I mean, if there was ever a time to tear your ACL, last year was the time to do it when they didn't play. Uh, but yeah, twenty to five going into the fourth quarter. Bison's trailing Calgary. Calgary, the number four team in the country. Bison's 2-0 with their backup quarterback playing after their starter, uh, five-year starter, out for, well, an extended period of time. Jordan Tachinsky taking over. Um, They scored 23 unanswered points in the fourth quarter. A couple big, big defensive plays. A pick, really, that turned it all around. Finally started getting the offense going. And I got to give a shout-out to Brian Doby and his team. Um, you know, of course, they uh, lost their assistant coach, Scott Nowjox, earlier this year. They've been playing with a heavy heart. Um, but, man, what a what a win. Uh, they will absolutely probably rise into the top three. I'd say top four before. At minimum, they'll jump Calgary. Um, so 3-0 and right now, huge, huge game for the Bisons. And yeah, the Ice uh, beat Regina 4-2 on the weekend, beat Regina 6-3 on Saturday. Sorry, Friday was 4-2, 6-3 was Saturday. Swift Current was 3-1 yesterday, a rare lower-scoring game. Um, but the Wild, or sorry, the Ice are the top team in the league, and they have four of the top five scorers in the Western League as well. So, um, you know, it wasn't a great weekend for the Jets falling to 0-2. Moose 1-1 one one with a big shutout win yesterday. And uh, the ice, I guess we'll, uh, it'll be a big story when the ice finally lose a game right now because um, for all the talk about teams that were good on paper, the ice are showing it night in and night out right now. We'll get Munzier KO on in the next couple of weeks to get us the latest on the ice. Uh, the ice are back at home on Wednesday Uh, at the Ice Cave, hosting Moose Jaw before heading on the road. The Moose, for their part, they're at Laval on Wednesday, and then the Moose Mm. come back. Home opener is Friday night against the Grand Rapids Griffins. Going to be a lot of hockey downtown. It's been a long time since they filled the building. Well, hopefully filled the building for games in downtown Winnipeg. Moose on Friday. Uh, Winnipeg Jets, of course, on Thursday and Saturday. And Saturday, the game that I'm triggered about happening at the exact same time that the Bombers are hosting BC down in the South I know we got a wrap. Do you want to hear a bit of what Paul Maurice had to say today about Blake Wheeler? Do we want to hear? Yeah, yeah, let's finish off with that. I know we're right up against it, but let's get a couple minutes, a quick update from the coach before uh, before we're finished here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. 
Paul, uh, what can you tell us about Blake Wheeler out there today? Uh, Blake's in the uh, NHL COVID-related protocol right now. Uh, I don't think that I have more to, to be able to offer you. And I think Scotty uh, Brown will be able to give you more as it comes out. So I guess that just puts his status for tomorrow night up in the air right now? Correct. Um, how much then should we read into maybe how you had different line pairings and power play yeah. units yet? Riley Nash was on that first unit, <coughs> one of those units. Is, yeah. is that a spot that he could occupy? Yeah, I mean, he has. He's played it before. It's it's all hands here. It's the right hand on that side of the ice. Uh, so it would be almost the same setup that we ran last year when Blake was on the, the goal line as a right-handed shot on that unit. And I want a lefty up top, so <coughs> Nate Schmidt will go there. Was that pretty much the only, like, just the, the handedness of yeah, just to get it over to that side of the ice because we're, we're you know, you lose another righty. And, um, you know, Blake is, is unusual that he can play his natural side on that power play and be really effective with it. Uh, but in order to, to put a different righty there, then it, it needs to go back over to Mark's side of the ice. And, and all those guys really have some experience with it. Paul, just to be clear, Blake took a, looked like he took an elbow the other day, yeah. and this had nothing no. to do with that. He's correct. He's fine, fine from that. Correct. Um, obviously, with the day off, travel day yesterday, but get a chance maybe to do some video work, and uh, would would it be fair to say a lot of focus on special teams? Yeah, I mean, we, we three times into practice uh, in each of we, we've worked them every day now for a while. Uh, video is a part of that before you hit the ice, but that would be you know, one of two or three places that we, we want to try to get a whole lot better. Paul had uh, asked this question earlier, but just curious of you've always said that you know this isn't a young team anymore, um, even though guys like you know you have to love still a young player. But just curious if the age and experience of this group kind of helps when you have a, a tougher start than maybe what you had wanted early on. That they're not you know. They want to get a win, obviously, but it's not necessarily, you know, you're not having to... Experience, uh, you, can, you can look at problems and understand them. You can look at pieces of your game and, and understand them and hopefully make those adjustments quite a bit quicker. Um, there would be big chunks of our defensive game that are pretty, pretty solid right now. Um, and then some of our offensive game we, we're not very excited about. And, and they go hand in hand. So I'm not just talking about a puck that gets in that at one end or the other, how we transition the puck, you know, some, some things of how we're moving the puck. It was a short time they were together in the third period ball, but Harkins, Lowry, and Veselin, and I know Veselin yeah. started camp on the right yep. side there. Yeah, I mean, and we'll probably take a look at that tomorrow. Um, some speed there with them, some size on, on the, with, with Adam. So I did like it, yeah. Um, Minnesota obviously haven't you've have seen them, but you're expecting this is a team that maybe looks and plays a little different. Yeah, quite a bit. How much of that is a product of one guy in Kaprizov, the rookie of the year? Oh, I, I would think it's more the, the the whole changeover. I mean, it's it's you know a, a dynamic player certainly coming in, but the old guard is gone, right? And and they've kind of changed style. The NHL's game has changed. So I think you know when you this was always. You know, kind of that Suter, Parise, Koivu were the three guys and for a while Dubnik, but that was the backbone of that group, and those guys have moved on, and, and they've got some younger players that have kind of developed into, they've got, you know, their structure's good. They've got a pretty good checking line, two pretty good offensive lines after that. Fourth line's going to work hard, and some nice defensemen back there. So they're, they're a good team. 
All right, so there's Coach Paul Maurice. Um, well, we'll uh, wait to hear more on Blake Wheeler. COVID-related, he's in protocol, isolating from the team right now. So I think there's a very good chance that we'll be talking about a team that will be playing without their captain tomorrow night. We saw different looks today in in practice. As we mentioned, we'll just get these back one more time before we finish from Mike McIntyre. Uh, today's lines looked like this. Um, Nate, Rick, well, Riley Nash went in. Uh, on the power play, as I said, was that a placeholder? Is he going to be the guy? There probably wouldn't be the guy I would have thought would end up on PP1. We'll see what happens tomorrow. Uh, but the power play was looking shifley. Connor Dubois, Nash, and Nate Schmidt. As we mentioned, they wanted a left gut shot on that side. So he and Neil Pionk switch. Cop, Ehlers, Stastny, Morrissey, and Pionk in that secondary uh, that secondary spot. Connor Shifley and Cop was line number one. Stastny moving up to play with Dubois and Ehlers. Hark, Lowry, and Veselainen. Jansen Harkin scoring on the, on Saturday night, by the way. And Svechnikov, Nash, and Perfetti right now, the fourth line. We'll have more from the morning skate tomorrow. Uh, we'll have the latest on both clubs, both the visiting Jets and the host Minnesota Wild heading into tomorrow night's game. Uh, we'll wrap the Monday night of the week in the NFL and much more on tomorrow's show. Uh, big thanks again to all of our sponsors, including... Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, Little Brown Jug Brewing, Canadian Club Whiskey, Not Auto Corp, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, and of course, Cool Bet Canada. Uh, we got to get the pods up, folks. Thanks for being with us live on YouTube. Give us your feedback on what we talked about today. If you're listening on the podcast, especially what we talked about with the Bombers and Jets playing at the same time, would be love to hear your feedback at Sports Talk WPG on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all the socials. Give us a follow while you're there as well. Have a great night. Enjoy the Monday Nighter. We'll be back tomorrow with a game day edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk live at one on YouTube. Have a great one. Oh, my God. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.